The views expressed on the previous programs are those of the host, guests, Don't and let Clarence destroy your show, Kenny. I'm warning you right now. We want to announce a bloodless coup has taken place at WQAM. We've been taken over by three sports nerds, by crazy people. Just like that. Yeah. Hurricane fucking blow! This season on Survivor, the Jewish tribe and the Arab tribe. See what happens when Gideon and Rashid get into a fight during the water challenge. See what happens when Simon and Fareed get into a fight during the mountain challenge. And in the season finale, when they try to vote off Tomar and Hamad. The tribe has spoken. You're both gone. The Arab tribe and the Jewish tribe on Survivor this season. There won't be any surprise alliances because they both use bombs. I'm dying over here. 1001 at 560 WQM. Tuesday, September 5, man. Summer's over, even though it's not on the calendar. It's done. It is finished. It's official. And I think we're done, too, man. I think QAM is done. We've been taken over by three crazy people. Clarence and his boyfriends, Beast and Robert Creeper. Three UM lunatics, even though, now let's see, Clarence didn't go to UM, right? No. But he's still one of them. He's part of their uh, thing. I'm not sure which part. More which bad thing? news from Iraq, by the way. Let's get that out of the way right off the bat, okay? Okay. Two U.S. Marines and three U.S. soldiers were killed in separate attacks, while another American soldier died of non-combat injuries in Iraq, the U.S. military said yesterday. At least 2,653 members of the U.S. military have died since the Iraq attack started March 2003. That's the AP count, for those who are keeping track. That's the AP count. 2,653, but who's counting? Just numbers, man. We're just counting bodies. We're counting bodies. Remember that song? Da -da -da -da. No. A blind man was a dangerous driver in England. <laughs> a blind man who lost his eyes in a bomb blast has been convicted of dangerous driving after police spotted his car on the wrong side of the road. And, of course... We would consider it to be the right side of the road. Right. Omed Aziz, 31, was being, oh, it sounds like a terrorist uh -huh. to me, was being aided as he drove through Oldbury, West Midlands, by an allegedly banned driver in the passenger seat. Worley magistrates were told he reached speeds of up to 35 miles an hour on the half-mile driver in the passenger seat. Worley magistrates were told he reached speeds of up to 35 miles an hour on the half-mile trip in April. Aziz of Oldbury, who denied dangerous driving, will be sentenced next Monday. At a previous hearing, Iraqi-born Aziz pleaded guilty of driving with no MOT. You know what that is? Ministry of Transport test. Oh. Which means they've done a safety check on your car. Oh, they don't do safety checks on your car anymore in Florida. So no. why do they do it over there? No license and no insurance. Aziz is also... <laughs> oh, he qualifies definitely for a six-year Florida driver's license to be renewed indefinitely by mail on the Internet. Aziz is also partially deaf and suffers from leg tremors, and he's blind. But other than that, he's a very good driver. Right. Definitely. Like Donald Brainerd and Miriam Tolan, he's a very good driver. Richard Knight, chairman of the bench at Worley Magistrates Court, said Aziz was aware of the risk he posed to others. Mr. Aziz was fully aware of his disabilities, and we find the driver was in a dangerous, defective state, he said. A dangerous, defective state. Kind of like our management. Aziz and his friend were arrested April 23rd at about uh, 2300 BST. I, I don't know what BST is. Is that British Standard Time? Is that like BSTC or whatever that After is? police followed their car along Oldbury Ringway and into West Bromwich Street, he said, I attempted to speak to the driver who attempted to be fumbling, fumbling around with the controls. <laughs> at that point, the passenger leaned across and stated, He's blind. 
love it. It reminds me of a scene from, uh, what was that horrible movie with Al Pacino? <laughs> that one. Oh. Son of a Woman, where he was blind, but he was driving. <laughs> yeah. Through the streets of New York. By the way, speaking of King of the uh, New York Streets, that Dion album, man. Yo, Frankie. Yo. That's got to be the best album ever. I, I just mentioned that in passing. Nobody's going to go out and get it. It's a little passe. That was back in our IOD days. Remember John mm -hmm. Hambrick, who was such a great newscaster at Channel 6, yes. called me on the air that day and said, i got to have that album, and we sent him a copy. He didn't want a freebie, or at least he pretended he didn't, but we sent him one anyway. Remember that? No. no. Yeah, you do. Get out of here. That was before my time, baby. It was not. It was absolutely not. Okay. At that point, the pastor leaned across and said, He's blind. Another officer, uh, Stuart Edge, who was present at the time, told magistrates the vehicle had crossed a white hazard line on the wrong side of the road just before being stopped. Uh, Edge said, I asked him if he could see me. He removed the dark-colored sunglasses he was wearing. I could see clearly he was blind as he had no eyes. Uh, that's usually uh, a pretty good... Well, that's a pretty oh, good indicator. Isn't off, yeah. Oh, there's Candy Cowley on CNN. Aziz, who said he had previous driving experience prior to being blinded in his homeland, was present in court being held, helped around by an interpreter. Oh, oh. All right. Let's send him right immediately to Sunrise. What do you say? Perfect for he, South Florida. He qualifies, yeah. He's a very good driver. He's blind. He's uh, got a few other infirmities. But other than that, he's a very good driver. Just stick his ass on the right side of the road. Okay, George uh, the, uh, took the bait, thank goodness. Well, why the hell not? If I suggest you an easy pull, you'll That's grab right. onto that. And on Friday, he asked, how much will you be listening to WQM's 24-hour tailgate party? And what a game it was, wasn't it? No. Holy moly. Did I watch it? No. no. I watched about four seconds of it. Well, maybe about eight seconds, because I turned it on twice real quick. They had one channel, one of the sports nerd channels. I don't know which one it was, because I don't pay any attention to this crap. They had one channel with a game. There were about six different channels on my cable that had the game on. Well, and one of the channels the... On, the, on the bottom, they have a talk show going on, a sports nerd talk show, and they show you the host, and he's taking calls. And then the game is like the top three quarters of the screen, and this other crap is the bottom quarter of the screen going on with the talk show. These are sick people. They don't just want to go to the game. They don't want to just see the game or listen to the game or read about the game. They have to discuss it. They have to chew it, eat it, lick it, sniff it. I mean, yeah, just incessantly, like we did this past, just throwing away an entire day from the ratings. Actually, every ESPN channel was showing the game all on a different angle. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like there were like ten different, they had ten different channels showing the game. Same game, and then one of them at the bottom of the screen, they're doing a talk show. I'm surprised they didn't have Clarence on there and the Beast doing uh, something, doing something obscene. Just, just unbelievable. And we put this on, it's like taking an entire day and blowing it down the toilet. Just saying, okay, you know, we know you guys across the street there are really desperate, you don't, you don't have any numbers and uh, don't have much business and you've lost millions of dollars. What we're going to do, because we're such nice guys, we're going to take an entire day... And just throw it down the toilet. And, of course, anybody who would say, well, it was Labor Day, it's a holiday. Well, you know something? Evidently, somebody must have been listening to this station because 1,765 people voted on your fabulous poll on Friday. That was my idea. Yes. How do you like that? And wait till you hear the results of this yeah. poll. I think I covered all the bases. Is there an option? Make, yeah, out? you did it. Fine job. This will make people do backwards cartwheels, whatever they call those. How much will you be listening to WQM's 24-hour tailgate party? 1,765 votes. Are you effing schmitting me? 847. <laughs> so you tried to pull a fast, a blind switch on me there with that one. You thought I would say one of them at least, but I didn't. Damn it. Are you effing schmitting me? 847. As in, you kidding? <laughs> well, I'm choking on it now. Bacon. <laughs> Careful. <clears throat> Not at all, 334. So right there you got 67%. Right there you got two-thirds of our audience. 
What 24-hour tailgate party? 327. There's another 18.5%. Now you got over 80%. And then, of course, about 30, man. 100 said that, just, just to find somewhere to go. 5.5%. So you've already got over 90% of the audience that wouldn't touch that with your hand. How do you like that? 24-hour tailgate party. Three total yards of rushing in that game. I could do that right now. I could, I could go from here, like, to the refrigerator. It would be more than three yards. That's right, without getting tackled. Right, even if a big guy was standing in front of you. Oh, not much, 58. I'll pop it on and off, 56, and the game two, I guess. And as much as I can, ah, 43, 2.4%. As much as I can, a bunch of breathless idiots, morons, lunatics, and these are the people who have taken over WQAM. A triumvirate of idiots, of sports nerds, who are who take showers together. I wonder if, since the Beast got married, if the three of them are still taking showers together. It's four of them. There's nothing you know for sure, and that is Clarence and Clarence and Robert are not getting married anytime soon. Maybe to each other. In fact, there's a better chance I'm going to get married uh, than them. Can't you see that? Would you like to be the best, <laughs> the best Julio at the uh, oh. Clarence and Robert wedding? Wouldn't that be great? That would be special. Were they ready? Speaking of that, we got the Inquirer, Travolta and Pal ready for takeoff. <laughs> and when they say takeoff, I don't think they need yeah. that plane. And it's a picture of John Revolta, who's in the closet with Tom Cruise and uh, R. Kelly, uh, leaning over and giving a big smooch. This plane was in Hamilton, Ontario, eh? Maybe they were up here to get married. John Travolta steals a smooch from an unidentified male friend before the pair boarded John's personal 707 airplane together in Hamilton, Ontario. John, who was... What? You've seen this picture, right? He owes a smooch. Right. <laughs> oh, it's a passionate, and he's up on one toe. How do you know it wasn't, you know, freely given? Why has he got to steal John it? John Revolta is up on one toe. <laughs> it says, John, who was in Toronto working on his role as Big Mama Edna Turnblad in the new film adaptation of Hairspray, even gets up on one toe while puckering up with his pal. Was what Kelly watching as John and his buddy locked lips? It's possible Kelly was already on board while the men kissed, and the threesome jetted off together. Isn't that exciting? Oh, boy. I got the Inquirer and the Examiner, and the Examiner names the real John Bonet killer. How do you like that? Oh, my God. Yeah, I'll get to that. So that's George's pool. And, 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 you know, I can't, I just can't say enough. All I will say this, I, part B of this whole thing about that obnoxious tailgate party, which is one of the most idiotic ideas in the history of broadcasting, I use the term loosely, is that Kenny Walker is like a real broadcaster. He sounds like a good guy. The only thing I'll say about that is, I don't know if you've noticed this. Is it just me? But it sounds like he and Bo aren't in the same building even, much less in the same studio. They are. I, I know, but they don't sound like... In other words, the the audio quality... Kenny sounds like he's muffled, like he's off in a broom closet somewhere. Oh, well, well, they gave him the old microphone, you know. He's the new guy gets the old microphone. Oh, I see. They're doing everything in their power to deep-six your act, Kenny. You're a good guy. You, you, you know, understand what a morning show is all about. These people understand nothing about morning shows, midday shows, afternoon shows. The only thing they know about is that's it. So don't let them uh, do it because they're, they're already loading him up with all these segments. We'll have Ira on. We'll have the Pat Riley segment. Anything that has to do with sports. That's right. So they'll kill you. So what I would do is, you know, you're going to have to get them before they get you. You're going to have to go out and... Wouldn't you suggest that, Tim, would be a good idea? Yeah, that would be a good this idea. This is the week that Kenny Walker, and probably helped by Toast, and, and maybe even by the, the, the Bowmeister... We'll go out into the hallway. I mean, just, just randomly around the building and... Kill some people. That's it. Don't <coughs> you think that's a good idea? That's how it's stalling before I can mm -hmm. find that. That's Kill right. some people. Yeah. Good job. Because they're trying to uh, deep six you, man. They want you to be part of the sports fraternity. Narrow casting, baby. Narrow casting. Wait until I start my own baseball card radio station. 
So all we're going to talk about is baseball cards all day. And then one day we'll have a segment about Bowman baseball cards. And then another day about 1954 baseball cards, the ones with the players' faces in the TV sets, in the mahogany, old mahogany TV sets. Oh, my God. And uh, Joe Bell came in this morning. He said, hey, it was great. <laughs> and he slapped George and Josh on the ass and uh, did a little pirouette and waved his pom-poms and ran out the door. 10.13 at 5.60 WQM. Now the tropical storm Ernesto has come and gone. And by the way, we got more rain from it here than you did there. But nevertheless, yeah. there's one thing to know for sure. Hurricane season is in full swing. It's They're swinging it. So to say the least, now is the time to protect your home. Now is the time, while you're still thinking about it, to call Hurricane Shutter Outlet. You got off the hook with Ernesto with just some rain, but who knows what the next big blow is going to bring. Call 954-237-7083. The Hurricane Shutter Outlet is your complete source for hurricane protection with all the things you need to get the job done and save you big money, too, of course. They stock all sizes of clear polycarbonate hurricane panels and aluminum panels cut to your specifications and ready for pickup, or they'll deliver them right to you. And now they also manufacture accordion shutters. If you're tired of putting the panels up and taking them down, up and down, up and down, in and out, accordion shutters can really help simplify your life. The Hurricane Shutter Outlet, call 954-237-7083. Tell them that Neil sent you, and you get $100 off a minimum order of 350 square feet. Contractors and installers, welcome, too. All major credit cards accepted. So with hurricane season in full swing now, before the next big blow comes, do yourself a favor, get the protection your house needs. Call 954-237-7083 or online. It's Hurricane Shutter Outlet. Com. The biggest names, the best talents. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560, QAM. Portholes are strange. They're never happy. Never get laid and stay home all alone. Before we begin a sad note, uh, Donald Trump passed away oh. over the weekend. We extend our deepest condolences on this gravest of all losses. Uh, he's a good man. Former President Bill Clinton. I am into getting girls. Protection calls El Sobrante, California. Hello. Mr. President, do you ever put a bag over Hillary's head during sex? I do. I, <laughs> that makes it good. I like it. Uh, Boise, Idaho. Hello. Mr. Clinton, are you okay with Hillary maybe becoming president again? Oh, yes. President Hillary all the way. What are the major points of her campaign? Uh trying to be cruel to hard-working people who are paying taxes and doing jobs other people wouldn't do in America. Philadelphia, hello. Hi, Bill. It's Gigi. Hi. What's the question? Is the orgy still on for this weekend up in Chappaqua? Yes. Uh, you... mm, can I bring my boyfriend? We can take a few more people, but I don't want to take so many that people lose the sense of intimacy they had last time. i got to get a break, and we'll be right back <laughs> with more. Don't go away. <laughs> well, look, look what Pop had. Pop had Bubba, and look what we got. We got Abu Ghraib. Oh, they closed that down, by the way. They're going to transfer yes, all of those to your backyard. Uh, I thought it was going to be a vacation hotel now. 700 of uh, the hotels here, man, are the best. 771 votes. The biggest problem in the world is, I like this pool, my idea, by the way. You know what I voted for? I'll tell you when I get to it. Okay. 776 votes already. We'll get to that 1,000 easy, at which point I'm going to go right back to bed. Religion, 301, you heathen bastards, you. You're all going to rot in hell. Mm -hmm. You're going to wind up just like that crocodile dummy guy, man. At that, uh what was his Stingray name? pissed me off. Steve Irwin. Yeah. Now, whatever his name was. I Steve voted for Irwin. religion. Yes. I remember him from the old days of TV. I bet you Chicken Neck remembers Stuart. And by the way, nice job, Chicken Neck, on those two discs. I wouldn't wish those on Ayatollah Schmendrick. Good God. Straighten his ass out, would you will, please? Uh, rectify it. I have to hold his check back pretty soon. Anyway, uh, 
Yeah, he died because he held up that little kid of his. He dangled it. That's he it. dangled it practically in a crocodile's mouth. What a croc. Crikey. And now God, uh, God smote him, baby. That's right. Religion 301. Ignorance 198. And, of course, those two go hand in hand. <laughs> yeah. Greed, 70. Again, all, all these, you see how they tie in together? Mm -hmm. Overpopulation, 43, which without religious ignorance, uh, you couldn't have overpopulation, 43. Intolerance, 39. Without religion, you couldn't have nearly as much. Here's where I voted. Sports Talk Radio's got... About 30, man. And if I wouldn't have voted for it, would have only 29, which we have no clip to, you know, about 29. But we do have... About 30, man. Sports Talk Radio. The biggest problem in the world. Without that, all the other ones would probably disappear, wouldn't you think? Let's have a 900-hour tailgate party starting right now. How about those Marlins, by the way? What is that all about, Josh? Making history. I just, you know, everybody's talking about that stupid, horrible football game last night with a 700-hour tailgate party. In the meantime, the big sports story. See, leave it to us to know what's really going on in sports. The Marlins. Uh, who, luckily, the schedule just uh, really broke their way, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Are you suggesting a 24-hour Marlins tailgate party? Starting right now. See ya. Marlins and the Diamondbacks. In fact, let's take a look at that schedule. I'll finish the poll. Mad Dog at 2. The Power Hour with Hank and Mad Dog from 4 to 5. Uh, Hank uh, will be in Vegas, so they'll be doing it like, by long distance. They'll be doing their cross-dress. Hank uh, from Vegas, 5 to 6.30, because, oh, look at this. He gets off another uh, half an hour. Marlins on deck at 6.30. The Marlins and the Diamondbacks are really girls' team at 7.05 and the Eddie K show after the baseball game. Although this schedule, leave it to Clarence. He's got the baseball game ending at 10.30, Eddie K on 11.45. So I guess between 10.30 and 11.45 we're doing transmitter maintenance. Hey, Clarence, you you're an idiot, man. You're killing us with all your... See, I want to explain one thing, which I'm sure that most rational, sane people already know this. And I said it a little bit before, but I need to repeat it very clear, clear, clearly. There are people who are sports fans of varying degrees. There are people who are like, you know, casual sports fans who would maybe like, uh, you know, check the score of the game or maybe they root for a certain team or, or you know what I'm saying? Might check mm -hmm. the score in a paper in the morning, whatever. Or maybe there are those people a little bit more interest who will, you know, watch the game on TV for free, of course, or listen to it on the radio, God forbid. And uh, then there are those people who actually will make the effort to buy a ticket and go to the game. You see, I'm, we're leading up to the very different degrees of people, are, depending on what the game might be, you know, the game du jour. Then there are those people who are into it to such a degree that the rest of their lives are insignificant. I have no life. That's correct, that crowd. They eat it, they sniff it, they lick it, they chew on it, they, they, that's all they know from. They take showers together naked because that's all they know about is uh, ball games. And there are there are such a tiny amount. Of, so what I'm the point I'm trying to make is that even people who were interested in last night's game, which was really pathetic, uh, of them, of those people who watched or listened or even went to it, a very tiny minority would be so into it that they'd want to hear people talk about it incessantly. You see what I'm saying? Ba 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 on and on and on. How about Mike uh, Keenan Quinton, by the way, GM? You suck, Mike. Brings in the most hated player in the whole league, the most despised, reviled Todd Bertuzzi, and trades away the best goalie, or maybe one of the best two or three goalies, for a, a kid who couldn't stop a bowling ball. And old Eddie the Beagle, which the Leafs said, get out of here already, man. You're an old, doddering man. They told me that, too, but I won't leave. So, anyway, the poll of 30 for Sports Talk Radio, tied with terrorism, which also has... About 30, man! And don't you think there's a crossover there, a similarity? Yes, there is. Because, certainly, Sports Talk Radio is terrorizing the Kenny and Bo Morning Show. And the rest of our station, too. See, I should have said no. I think George and Josh should work on Labor Day. Oh, you bastard. Well, it's too late now. Yeah. 
But I should have said that. No, what I should have said was, I'll do it. How's that? Oh, yeah, that would have been a greater. And then they would have really been pissed off. Oh, my God, he won't. He's the party pooper, man. He's the wallflower. Mm -hmm. He won't. He just won't go along with anything. So you think I'm going to like, first of all, I wouldn't have had to work yesterday anyway, because this is the last week for my summer schedule. I don't work on Monday, whether it's Labor Day, whether it's uh, May Day, whether it's uh, whatever. I, it's Monday. So it wasn't the day for me to work holiday or not. Oh, look at this. When I refresh this thing, it's going to have 802 votes. I think we got a good shot of 1,000, at which point I'm laying down on the floor and taking a nap. Speaking of Hillary, yeah, nice I've got some good news. See, I'm sure that over the weekend you have better things to do than to read all those 80 million stories on our website. And Josh ain't too happy about there being too many, by the way. Although he'll be pleased to know that even though Smirking Chimp went to that new format, I'm having no problem whatsoever in emailing you many, many stories. Aren't yeah. you excited? Oh, yeah, real excited. Friends of Hillary Clinton have been whispering the unthinkable, the absolutely unthinkable, despite her status as the runaway frontrunner for the 2008 Democratic nomination for president, some of her closest advisors say she might opt out of the White House race and seek to lead her party in the Senate. Thank God. Oh, please. Oh, there's Ahmadinejad. Oh, I like the way I said it. That That's great. The former First Lady longs to return to the White House with husband Bill as consort. Only last week, she told TV viewers, America would be led by a woman one day. Stay tuned, she said. First, however, she has to win the election. Some Democratic Party elders, the American equivalent of the Tories' men in gray suits, this is in the Brit Sunday Times, say Clinton may back out of the race of her, vo her own volition. I wouldn't be surprised if she were to decide that the best contribution she can make to her country is to forget about being president, become a consensus maker in the Senate, said a leading Democratic Party insider. She believes there is no trust between the two political sides, and we can't function as a democracy without it. Oh, please. Like she's more concerned about the system than she is about her own political ass. A recent poll for Time magazine showed that 53% of the electorate said they had favorable impression of Hillary, and only 44% viewed her negatively. But, uh, oh, that would, would that be great? Then what do we got? Oh, God. Al Gore. I guess. Huh? Howard Dean. Sure. Yeah. Do it. Charlie Chris. Some screamer. Oh, that's a, oh look at this. Uh, oh, oh, my God. Uh, let me do the break. And then we're gonna <laughs> this is the yeah, best. If you love the tailgate party, if you think that uh, Clarence and this current regime we got have destroyed the station so far, just wait. Yeah. This is the best. Catch Eric Brandon, wasn't he on Magic? Okay. That's and familiar. look at who his co-host is going to be. Did you get that far in the article? No, I did not. In the third paragraph, see what her name is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, has this story been vetted by our Woo! corporate attorney? Man. Oh, listen, I heard Kenny dropping a few, a uh, couple of F-bombs. <laughs> didn't you hear that toward the end there? And Bo was going on about everybody was getting laid at the game, something like that. Yeah, how do you like that? They had to make that name up. That's in the Sun Sentinel. You're a bunch of potty mouths at the Sun Sentinel. You notice there's not even a name. There's no byline on that story. I don't wonder why. <laughs> there's another page to it somewhere, though. Oh, it's just one line on the other page. No. Well, that's okay. I'll let you read it. 28 past 10 at 560 WQM. Sue what? Kaka. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Woo! I think we're going to be finished when I read that. Hey, it's in the newspaper. If it's in the newspaper, I can read it on the air. Okay, it's a news story. You know me. You know the old man with the news stories. You know, it's not always easy for students heading off to college. They have to get used to a new environment and new sleep habits, but a new mattress can really help a lot. dial mattress serves every major campus on the East Coast from Miami to Boston. Call 1-800-MATTRESS. Ask for student specials in your area. Get factory direct prices lower than the chain stores, even during their so-called big sales. Plus, dial mattress has 12-month financing. 
You know there can be a lot of restless nights being away from home for the first time. Make it a little bit easier and more comfortable with a great new mattress from Dial a Mattress. Call 1-800-MATTRESS. You'll get the lowest prices in the universe on the best brands like Sealy and Serta, King Coral and Simmons, Tempur-Pedic, and Stearns and Foster Hewitt. Dial a Mattress ranked number one in customer satisfaction. Call them toll-free, 1-800-M-A-T-T-R-E-S. Leave off the last S because it stands for Stupid Sarner. The biggest names, the best talents. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560, QAM. The director of Snakes on a Plane and the producer of Beer Fest. Another airline pilot stars in Beers on a Plane. He's drunk. He's always drunk. Stinking drunk. And in case of emergency, the stewardess's implants can be used as a flotation device. He passed out. Beers on a plane. I bet he's had 20 beers today. That's how many I had when I tried to plug the television into that dog. 1033, 27 before 11 and 560 WQM, your sports insanity station, man. Your sports intensive sports nerd station. Oh, I did see a good movie over the weekend, which I told you about. And you, have, and you said, what? What is that? What? You said, that's really the name of a movie? And then I recorded, I haven't seen the last hour of it again. I don't think I ever saw that before with Vince Van Patten and what's her name? Linda Blair? No, not Linda Blair. The one about uh, uh, Rock and Roll High School. Oh, P.J. Souls. Uh, with the Ramones. With Vincent Van Patten, like I said. 1979. Mary Warnock. I beg your pardon? Mary Warnock. Let's not leave her Right. She's great. She's a funny. It's corny, and uh, and the Ramones are in it, so the music isn't very good. But anyway, but the good movie I saw, Program, what is it called? Oh, the prize winner of Defiance, Ohio. Julianne Moore. And uh, who did I say I was in? The husband, the drunken husband? Woody Harrelson. Oh, that drunken husband. Excellent. Absolutely. And and, when you go on IMDb and you read the reviews of the movies that you watch... And some of them agree with you. That's really very good. I don't want to hear the Ramones. Sorry, it took me a while. It makes me moan when you start playing Ramones. Oh, fat. Plus, uh, now let's see, how many? There were four of them in the beginning. Are there two still alive? I think so. Yeah, I believe so. <laughs> Rock and Roll High School, baby. It's got its moments. It's cute. It's very corny. And it's like that other movie, but I'm a cheerleader. Only not quite so. Yay. Uh, prize winner of Defiance, Ohio. It's a true story. Written by the uh, eldest daughter of a woman in uh, Defiance, Ohio, who uh, had a drunken, uh, no-good, no-count husband. And she uh, supported her ten children. She just supported a family by winning money in contests. Because back in those days, back in the 50s, they used to have all these, you know, contests were for jingle contests. Mm-hmm. And uh, she won a lot of contests and made thousands of dollars. And it's, it's just really good. And if you like imaginary heroes, then you'll love this one. It's kind of in the same vein. A little bit depressing. But then again, a lot of laughs. Okay? Okay. We got over 800 votes on the poll already. We'll have uh, 833. Man, I'm really impressed, aren't you? And Sports Talk Radio's got 33 votes. is the worst problem in the world. If anybody else out there was as deeply offended by that 24-hour tailgate garbage that we had on, please uh, call the police. So here's this. Uh, this was in the Sun Sentinel bar. Are we getting some heavy-duty publicity or what? <laughs> oh, my God. Now that we got the new lineup on there, we got Kenny and Bo Show in the morning, and we got Mad Dog and the Humper and the Power Hour and all this new stuff going. Are there billboards up all over the place? Uh, Newspaper ads? <laughs> TV um, campaign? Huh? Now it's um, September 5, man. It's after, uh, it's after summer. People are back. Kids are back in school. People are back from vacation or final vacation of the uh, summer. Wouldn't now be the time for a big promotional campaign? <laughs> You'd think... Some uh, show to debut on WQAM. 
Now, this is on top of the one that we ran those 80 million promos for last week. What was that one about? Because I was trying not to listen to it. Oh, you know what we ought to get in, in memory of that uh, Stu Irwin? Steve. What, uh, no, Stu Irwin was a TV guy. Oh. Steve Irwin. Uh, I'm going to buy me a 1968 Stingray. <laughs> Crikey. Yeah. That's a great car, man. Keep it away from your heart. 68 Stingray. God. That thing, it was like, like your ass was on the road. That, that's how... Low. You ever, you ever ride in one of those? No, but I've ridden in some low cars before. I had a friend in Michigan who had a 68 Stingray, and I, I... Oh, brother, I don't know where the hell we were going, but... Felt like your ass is dragging right on the road. A new fishing radio show makes its debut Saturday. Now, was that uh, this past Saturday, and we didn't that's, even know about it? That's right. Did you hear it? I was here. You were working? Did that, you work this show? That doesn't show? answer the question. Well, I worked the show after it. Now, what show is that? That would be the real deal, everything you need to know about automotive. That's what I was talking about. Maybe they can uh, hook us up with a 68 Stingray for Josh. George will pay for it. Yeah, <laughs> get the money ready. Publix Weekly Fisherman, presented by Boat Owners Warehouse, airs from 7 to 9 a.m. on WQAM on Saturdays. The show was created by Jim Mandich of the Jim Mandich Show. All right. On WQM and his MZM production partners, Randy Kasowitz and Michael Manage. Is that one of the kids, I'm sure? Yeah, he was here. The son? Now, is he still like uh, a crazy person tearing stuff up, or is he like grown up now? Uh, how, old are, how old are his kids now? About 20? I think he's uh, my age. He was in the same class as me. Yeah. I got news for you. you I, I mean, I don't know how he was a, like a teenager, but he was just him and his brother. When we were at IOD, they used to come in and just tear the whole newsroom to pieces. I mean, they weren't teenagers. I beg you, how old were they? I don't know, like. Eight or nine, seven little or eight. punks, yeah. And they would just come in and destroy everything, just tear apart the UPI machine and just go crazy. But maybe they got out of their system. I think they could use a, a good spanking, Jim. What do they look like, by the way? The host of Public's Weekly Fisherman is Eric Brandon. Oh, my God, a popular South Florida radio personality. That's a matter of opinion. Who worked for 20 years at Magic Radio. Well, he must be an old fart by now, Eric Brandon, wouldn't you think? I imagine. Oh, you know what I did here? I turned on the game for about four seconds last night, and I heard the PA... And there was J. Roe Keach croaking it out. Isn't that going to be something? When he's 85, he's still going to be the PA guy for the hurricanes. And now for the hurricanes. Oh, what a silly person. That's going to be our poll question for tomorrow. Who's the silliest of them all, Mike Rosenthal or J. Roe Keach? Or uh, Clarence? I think Clarence has got them all beat. See, the other people have an excuse. But what, what's Clarence's excuse, huh? For I what? have no life. Oh, thank you. Brandon, Eric Brand is an avid angler who fishes with his sons in freshwater and offshore. His favorites include running and gunning for dolphin, bottom fishing, and fishing for peacock bass and largemouth bass in local lakes. Bottom fishing. What, what's that, like for catfish? I believe that's deep sea. I, I'm not positive. I, I think, yeah, I don't what, know. What does that mean, bottom fishing? Like, you know, does that like, have something to do with rectum? Yeah, well, that's what I think it means. Brandon is joined by co-host Sue Cocking, outdoors right <laughs> outdoor. First writer for the Miami Herald and Steve Waters, outdoors writer for this. That's almost like Fudge Brown. Oh, it's much better. Yeah, it is. Outdoors writer for the Sun Sentinel. Each week they'll <laughs> chat with a select group of charter fishing captains. This reminds me of our good buddy, the late Mike Ranieri. Who was the guy he used to have on? Oh, I don't know. Barnacle Come on, Bill. You know, the fishing report. You, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Barnacle Bill Sailor. Huh? No, you know what I'm talking about. Captain Morgan. Tight lines, and uh, that was Salty Sal Fleischman on Channel 13 in Tampa. Tight lines and good fishing. Oh, well, that was a guy on Channel 400 years ago with Ralph oh Redneck. God. God, I wish I could remember that guy's name. They also used to have a fishing thing on for like about five seconds, like right after Weaver the Weatherman. Isn't that something? Just stop and think about all the good people who are dead. Oh, I don't want Isn't that. Isn't that depressing? Yeah, let's not. Bob Weaver, your friend the bird. Steve Irwin. 
Stu Irwin. Crikey. Fat Rich. Right. Each week, the captains will talk about current fishing conditions and share tips on everything from tactics to tackle. Oh, man. Are we doing it or what? And, of course, obviously, this is a financial thing because Mantis has his thumb in it. Can you imagine the money he's raking in? Mm -hmm. All right. He's got more scams going on. It's just unbelievable. Nice going, Mad Dog. The scamster. What's that chick's name again? Sue. So what are you doing today, Sue? Docking. (laughs) She's sitting on the docking of the bay. With long stocking. 854 votes on the poll. <laughs> oh, God. Sue cocking. Sue anybody you want, okay? It's a litigious kind of world we live in anyway. Oh, her real, we've got the real John Bonet killer from the National Examiner. Yeah. How, you know, when you hear, now, granted, you know, you have to have to, like, have a little skepticism when you hear everything. But when you hear this story, you wonder, well, why the hell did they waste all this time with blaming their parents and then this John Mark Carfruit kick and all this other stuff? You know, you'll wonder. Don't you wonder? About what? I wonder who wrote the book of love. Maybe it was Sue Cocking. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560. U-A-M. I f***ing blow. Denied on Fox. American Idol. Guest star George Bush sings the who. Talking about I get get generation. Talking about I get 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 generation. Before we grow old. Talking about I get 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 generation. Can't get fooled again. What do you think of me? It just was terrible, dude. Don't sing ever anymore. Don't. Stop singing. Nice voice. Thanks. Very nice. If I were you, I'd turn up the water department, volunteer your services, because you've just invented a new form of torture. I have never ordered torture. American Idol. Denied on Fox. Abu Ghraib. 1046, 14 before 11 at 560 WQM. Your sports insane station, man. We're uh, chewing on it. 873 votes on the pool. Aren't you impressed? Especially okay. like right after Labor Day. Because today is the day where everybody's like uh, getting back to abnormal, wouldn't you think? Oh, yeah, absolutely. After Labor Day holiday I mean, weekend. The absolutely. biggest problem in the world is religion, 334. How do you like that? Oy. Religion, all the cockamamie uh, bubble mices invented by man. That's why they're all so sexist because, see, if women would have written the religions, it would be a whole different ballgame, man. So you, all you guys out there better kiss the ground and kiss each other's ass. And maybe kiss the John Travolta, too, while you're at it. Get up on your tippy-toe and uh-huh. s- steal a kiss. <laughs> steal, steal a smooth. Sorry. Religion 334, ignorance 221. God, there's so many stupid people in so little time. Greed 82. Overpop- I mean, ignorance, just ask Ron Popeil, he'll tell you. Overpopulation 53, Igno- uh, intolerance 44. Sports Talk Radio 34, terrorism 32. You see that? Mm-hmm. Spending all these billions of dollars fighting this phantom, the boogeyman, you know, all these terrorists. How come we don't spend more money fighting sports talk radio? We could have averted that the embarrassing tailgate crap. Oh, no, it was great. I, there just are no words to describe it. It just, it just leaves me limp. Poverty, 31. Fear, 19. It's the fear factor, baby. That's what it's all about. There's, there's uh, the O'Reilly factor, and there's Max factor, and it's the fear factor. And that, of course, is what the Bushmeister, that's what they play, the fear factor. I hate this poll. Only 13, 1.4%. Aren't you impressed? They like it. Mm-hmm. And disease, 11. Disease out of 883 votes. Now, let's see. Before we tell you who killed John Bonet, got a good book coming out today, as a matter of fact. I'm going to go to the bookstore right now and get it. See ya. Let's see. Where, what the hell is the name of the book? The Architect, Carl Rove, and the Master Plan for Absolute Power. 
uh, James Moore and Wayne Slater wrote this. An upcoming book about presidential advisor Karl Rove reports allegations of anti-Semitism by President George W. Bush. According to Ross Story and Larissa Alexandrovna, who wrote this, I wonder if she knows Sue Cocking. In The Architect, Karl Rove and the Master Plan for Absolute Power, Austin-based journalists James Moore and Wayne Slater, senior political reporter for the Dallas Morning News, will allege that Bush once made anti-Semitic comments to reporter. You know what I'm going to tell those Jews when I get to Israel, don't you, Herman? Then Governor George Bush allegedly asked reporter for the Austin American Statesman. When the journalist Ken Herman replied he did not know, Bush reportedly delivered the punchline, I'm going to tell them they're all going to hell. How do you like that? Uh -huh. Well, aren't they? Isn't that something? So that's what George Bush has to say to the Jews. Go to hell. Yeah. The quip never received wider media attention. Roster obtained a copy of The Architect this week, the book. Bush's thoughts on the fate of non-Christian souls became a minor source of controversy after he told the Houston Post in 93 that only those who accept Jesus go to heaven. However, the future president was also earlier briefly engaged to a half-Jewish woman. How do you like that? I wonder which half. The authors of the architect assert that religion and ethnicity have been manipulated by Bush and Rove to divide and conquer the nation and that new book. This is a separate article, but nevertheless still connected to the same book. It reports that Karl Rove's stepfather, Louis Rove, divorced his mother and lived the rest of his adult life as an openly gay man. Oh, my God. Raw story has learned. It was pretty raw. This is one of many bombshells delivered by reporters James Moore and Wayne Slater in his new book, which also alleges that Rove held street corner meetings with fallen super lobbyist Jack Abramoff, knowing that all visits and phone calls to the White House were logged. Abramoff recently pleaded guilty to tax fraud, conspiring to bribe members of Congress. Street corner meetings. When the latest sidewalk strategy session with Karl Rove had concluded, Jack Abramoff settled into the backseat of his chauffeur-driven car, more in Slater right on page 9. Like I said, everything that comes out of the White House is logged in. The phone calls he makes, the phone calls are received, so this is, was just easier. Mm -hmm. There's much to digest in the architect, but new details of Rove's family history, self-proclaimed agnosticism, and the political machine built by friends such as scandalized lobbyist Jack Abramoff are certain to, ride, to raise the hackles of Rove's Republican base. How do you like that? Citing on the record sources uh, including close friends of the elder Rove, Moore and Slater reveal he lived openly as a gay man and remained close to his son throughout his life. Carl, Rove, uh, Carl grew up believing Rove was his natural father, learning the truth only after his parents divorced during his young adulthood. A New Yorker profile of Rove recounts their relationship. Rove spoke of, it, spoke of his adopted father in a tone of fierce admiration, love, and loyalty, for, as he put it, how selfless his love had been, as shown by his willingness to play persuasively the part of a blood parent for two decades. The architect describes the relationship of Lewis and his longtime friend, Joseph Coons. Huh? I wonder if he knew Sue. Sue who? Talking. Joseph Coons had been living openly as a gay man throughout his... Are you going to stop with that already or what? What? God, you are bad. Although, from what I heard Kenny saying this morning, there were six F-bombs during the last minute of the show. Maybe that's part of the sports deal. Joseph Coons had been living openly as a gay man throughout his adult life, but Lewis Rove had only come out after he left his family in Salt Lake City and moved to Southern California. Well, that figures. In the book, Coons recounts how he and the elder Rove began to cruise the scene in Palm Springs, looking to make friends with older gay men, eventually forming a social club they dubbed the Old Farts Club. Oh, too bad we can't play any old farts, Joyce. We can't even play any new ones. The men met every Friday, usually at the Rainbow Cactus Restaurant. Oh, at the Cactus. Or the Martini Burger to eat, drink, and socialize. Ever have a Martini Burger? No, sounds good. What's in it? Moore and Slater raised speculation as to whether the suicide of Rose's mother, Reba, may have been aggravated by the shame she felt over Lewis's homosexuality. That corn sure is special, Lewis. A few. 
A man of almost startling intelligence, Rove is not likely to ignore, ignore the possibility that his father's homosexuality might have figured in his mother's choice to end her own life, the authors write. A self-admitted agnostic. How do you like that? Oh, my uh -oh. God. Rove has today portrayed his parents' divorce and mother's subsequent death as something of a mystery. It's hard to figure out, he told Time magazine in 2004. You can speculate on what demons she just wasn't able to overcome, but she couldn't. One might think that such a sensitive family situation might have kept Rove from using it as a political ace in the hole. Instead, he made sexual orientation, specifically gay marriage, the centerpiece of a presidential campaign aimed at getting out conservative votes in states like Ohio. I wonder if he knows Charlie Christ. The premeditated and well-organized assault of the Rove-led GOP as described in the architect is breathtaking. One has to wonder why a group of senior members of the Christian right huddled in a room together and planning to play one Christian denomination against another never made the headlines. Well, I'm getting that book today. Yet more Slater presents something more than the background shockers of these public figures. They provide a detailed illustration of a conglomerate that profited on faith, race, heritage, even gender, using the very people who are trusted by their congregations, their leaders, and their heroes. The book is uh, out today from Crown Books. The Architect, Karl Rove, and Master Plan for Absolute Power by James Moore and Wayne Slater. I'm sure lots of you are going to be running to your bookstore to Borders and whatever Ooh, right, yeah. right now, aren't you? You know it. You know this audience, man. They're going to be on it. Not... Okay, so you want to know who killed Jambonet? Who killed? Well, Jambonet. we're supposed to care about these things, aren't we? I heard it was that crocodile hunt. Yeah, I heard it was the Salfus. Boy, look at that. i got all these other great stories. Uh, Sunday school teacher fired for being a woman, and we had that story on the show. I'm pretty proud of that. You know, that's in the Inquirer. Mm -hmm. Remember that? Yes, I do. Mary Lambert. And by the way, you know, technically everything that the superior said is biblically correct. Women aren't supposed to be talking in church. Oh, or at home. Right. Or in the supermarket. You're supposed to keep your head covered and all that in your mouth. There you go. Too. Oh, how about the FBI reports uh, plot to steal Elvis's body and his dad set it up. See, I'm stalling for time because I want to do the breakdown because I don't want to interrupt this important story about John Bonet since obviously that's the big topic du jour. Although pretty much now we don't hear anything more about it, do we? No, because that was embarrassing, that whole media circus. Another yes, it was. Pretend that it didn't happen. That's correct. Regis and Hasselhoff, it's war. Talent co-stars battle over facelifts. America's Got Talent co-host, and boy, I'm telling you, between the two of them, they don't look a day over 180. <laughs> and boy, do they have talent or what? No. I mean, I, you know, Regis is uh, he's just too much, too much already. Wife kills husband and cooks him and serves him to the kids. All for me! There you go. Isn't that good? Well, I don't know. I haven't had any yet. Let's see. I'm trying to see if there's any. Almond Joy. Almonds are really great for you. Nuts. Uh, what? Almonds combat cholesterol and helps keep your heart healthy. Well, good. I love almonds. So eat some nuts. I wonder if Sue likes them. <laughs> Sue who? The fishing lady. Oh, that one. Amazing psychic teenager stuns the medical world with miracle cures. You want his number? Yeah, and his shoe size. I do. Oh, is he cute? And, of course, we named the real JonBenet killer, and it's not the wacko who confessed. Well, no Schmidt. Wow. It's not him. Oh, global warming, says John in uh, South Columbia, South Carolina, who's now using his last name, John Gore. Is that just a joke or that's what? A, that's a joke. Get it? The big environmentalist now. Uh, okay, whatever you say, John, you're boring. Global warming, add that to the pool. Okay, that should get some votes. That'll probably put us over 1,000, I would think, wouldn't you? We got 910. Sure. 910. Uh, what was, uh, I think 950 was WBBF, the home of the Busy Bees in Rochester. WBBF with Joe Dean and uh, Morton Nussbaum. 
What kind of a guy goes on here and uses the name Mort Nussbaum? That would be like Howard David. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560, QAM. This is the Neil Rogers Show. This is your brain. Any questions? Coming up tonight on Inside the Behind the True Hollywood Celebrity Music Biography Profile Story. They formed in Seattle in the 90s, which meant they were either stoners or part of the burgeoning grunge music scene. Preferably both. They were Soundgarden. Black hole sun, won't you come? Out back here is the uh, garden where we uh, make our sounds. <laughs> Soundgarden's Chris Cornell took our Inside the Behind reporter on a tour of the back garden, which provided the inspiration for the band's music and their name. Here you can see the uh, green plants that uh, really helped us in the creation of all our albums. <laughs> You got the Cheetos, man? <laughs> no, no, sorry. I... DEA, open up! Oh, man, it's a drug raid! And we got a Republican-controlled Congress! Quick, shove up. all these plants on my sphincter! What? You want to go down with me, dude? Start shoving! DEA, open up! Get it! Yeah, get, it. Yeah, open oh, up. get it up there! Yeah. It's the last place they'll to look! It's the last place they'll look! What are you, high? Soundgarden. They never got as famous as Nirvana, but hey, that means they didn't have to deal with that pungent whore Courtney Love. It's a big, juicy, sopping wet look at show business tonight on Inside the Behind. So how many hits do you think they're going to get when somebody puts up that video of uh, your buddy, Steve Irwin, getting uh, off with that uh, stingray? Uh, a couple. 30 million. 30 million. Oh, everybody's going to want to see that. I'm not, not that I care. Crikey. That's what happens when you dangle your little kid in front of a crocodile, because that's a real croc, okay? He's an idiot. He was irresponsible. And then all of a sudden, God smated him, or smote him. I'm glad that somebody faxed me the sorry thing from Friday, because after a long holiday weekend, you, forget, you tend to forget. I did see it, of mm-hmm. course. I mean, I'm always breathless on the edge of the seat. I noticed that very jackass don't even write a regular uh, sports uh, radio uh, nerd column every week like he used to. He's small potatoes now. Jim Sarney, there's the man, the big bullfrog, Bufo. Anyway, he tells us this breathless news about Mo Howard David back on uh, FTL, uh, hosting the Game Day Insiders on uh, whatever uh, day. Joined by Keith Sims, Eric Rett, and Johnny Mitchell. Saturdays 2 to 4 and Sundays 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. How can we compete with that? We better put on a fishing show with uh, Eric Brandon and Sue Cocking. David, who's also doing some fill-in work for ESPN Radio, said he doesn't miss his old shows on WQM, and neither does the audience. How do you like that? I don't miss where I work, not even a little bit, Mo said. Aw. That's what it says in the article. One of the top football announcers in the country, David crossed a new frontier this summer when he did the first radio play-by-play on Sirius for the World Poker Championships in Las Vegas. That was the wildest experience of my life in broadcasting, David. Said it was a challenge, but I know the game, and it worked out well. I'll do no, I'll do more poker, but no darts, dominoes, or any other cockamamie events they come up with. He's got standards, you know. Yeah. Might do a little bit of Mahjong, and the World Shuffleboard, or Shuffleboard Championships in Hallandale are coming up. He might uh, do the call on that. But no darts, dominoes, or cockamamie events. Or Sue, uh, whatever. Caca. Maybe. That's it. We got over 900 votes. Aren't you excited? It's only just barely after level. We got 926. Man, 
Maybe now that all these the summer and the holidays are over with, next Monday we go back to our regular schedule, damn it. Woo! Next all Monday right. is 9-11, by the way. That's right. Do you know what CNN is doing next Monday? And this what is, is CNN talk doing about next insanity. Monday? I, I know. I kind of know. What? What, they're going to have a, a whole day where they relive and show those videos right. over and over they're, again? They're going to show all of their programming from 9-11, 2001. Picking the scab for radio. That, that's right. Making it bleed. That's what they're doing. I'm sure that the Bushmeister and all his right-wing lunatics, I'm sure they love that. See that? We're under tremendous... Uh, all the boogeyman is going to get us again. Speaking of the boogeyman, the National Examiner in their September 11th issue, speaking of 9-11, we named the real John Bonet killer, and it's not the wacko who confessed. And here's a picture of Miss John Mark Carr. She looks, I don't know, bizarre. Carr. The twisted sicko who molested, battered, and strangled little John A. Ramsey has been brought to justice, and he's not the goofy-looking pedophile John Mark Carr, whose sensational confession has the nation buzzing. The six-year-old beauty queen's murderer is Michael Helgoth, a 26-year-old convicted pedophile who collected Barbie dolls and was obsessed with young girls' guns and violence. Michael Helgoth, he off John Bonet. But Helgoth who covered himself with tattoos, including one of the Grim Reaper and another of a blood-dripping skull, committed suicide just weeks following JonBenet's murder on December 25, 96. He apparently shot himself on Valentine's Day, 97, the day after a threatening statement was issued by Boulder, Colorado District Attorney Alex Hunter. But they sure did a really thorough and great investigation there, didn't they? Sure. Wait till you hear more of the evidence that they had there, and, they, and still nobody even talks about this punk. I will say something to the person or persons who took this baby from us. The list of suspects narrows, Hunter said. Soon there will be no one on the list but you. That's what the message said. And then the next day, bada bing. I guess it was just a coincidence, huh? That's right. The unsettling message was carefully constructed by the FBI experts designed to put immense psychological pressure on the killer to make him sweat and hopefully turn himself in. Instead, Helgoth, who ran a Boulder area salvage yard, seemed to take the cowardly way out, knowing the cops were closing in. So... His pal John Kennedy had previously gone to police telling them of Helgoth's sadistic love of shooting stray dogs, how he threatened people with guns, and some bizarre coincidences involving the JonBenet case. Oh, my God. When Kennedy learned that JonBenet's skull had been severely cracked from a vicious blow, chills ran down his spine. Kennedy told police that Helgoth loved to talk about killing people, and once said to him, I wonder what it would be like to crack a human skull. How do you like that? He wondered uh, who wrote the Book of Love and what it would be uh -huh. like to do. So that's, I guess that's what he liked to do. In his spare time. Crack go out and kill some people. Yeah. Mike was pretty happy around late November about him and a partner making a killer deal, recalls Kennedy. I guess that's a play on words. They were each going to make 50 or 60 grand. Then Christmas comes, he's really depressed because there was no money. The total amount of money Helgoth and his secret partner would have collected would come very close to 118000 the odd sum demanded in the bizarre ransom note left at the Ramsey home. And following Helgoth's death, police discovered more damning. In fact, he said he was going to give the other two grand to you guys, a thousand to George, a thousand to Josh. All right. I'll buy some favorite pizza. people, no doubt. <laughs> and following Helgoth's death, police discovered more damning evidence in addition to the money amount, the cracked skull remark, his prior conviction for sexually molesting a child, and the charge by his former girlfriend that she'd caught him naked in bed with her young daughter. You following all of this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It doesn't take Shylock Holmes to put these clues together. A lot of coincidences here. Cops searching Helgoth's home after the suicide found a pair of high-tech work boots, the soles of which would make the prints like the one found in the Ramsey basement where an intruder was believed to have broken in. They also found a taser stun gun. John Bonet's autopsy revealed marks on her body similar to those made by a taser, leading investigators to believe that the killer used a taser to render Little Miss Colorado helpless. His friends say he was a stun gun nut. 
and that he used to break into people's houses just for the thrill of doing it, says Ollie Gray, an investigator hired by the Ramseys. And cops found a shirt with the mystery letters SBTC on it and pants with the word victory on them. Amazingly, the ransom note found at the Ramsey home was signed, Victory SBTC. Another coincidence. Police also discovered pictures of young girls and a newspaper clipping about the unsolved case of a five-year-old girl who had been kidnapped and murdered five years before little John Bonet. See, when you dress up your little girl like a slut, like some kind right, of a like young a prostitute, yeah. you're going to attract Cops tested Helgott's DNA with that found in JonBenet's underpants and believed to have been left by her killer. It didn't match, but Private Eye Gray and John San Augustin believed the DNA belonged to Helgott's unknown partner. They also believed the secret partner may have murdered Helgott and made it look like suicide to cover his own tracks. If he's one of two people involved in a major, major death of a small girl, what's the best way to eliminate the word getting out that you had any involvement? Says Gray, you eliminate your partner. Just with like a little... One of those. The evidence pointing to Helgoth as JonBenet's killer is overwhelming. Next to the ridiculous statements made by Carr, whose sources say has been a mental mess since his deranged mother tried to set him on fire when he was an infant. That would kind of do it. She was locked away in a psycho ward shortly after. Family friend George McCrary says Carr has always been paranoid and needs a psychiatrist worse than anyone he's ever met. Here's why experts believe Carr didn't do it. And it got a whole... We don't need to read those, because we know he didn't do it. Well, one of them was... Uh, Carr claimed he got into the Ramsey house by attending a Christmas party and hiding in a bedroom till everyone was gone. The problem is the Ramseys did have a party, but on December 23rd, two days before the murder, Carr claims the child's violent death was an accident. And it goes on. We, we already know about that, about that fruitcake. Nobody really likes fruitcake. 565. We got some good stuff there on our uh, MySpace.com, you know what? Oh, yeah. Got some beautiful, heavy-duty stuff. And I bet you we got 942. All we got to do is put a one in front of that, and you got the year of my birth, 1942. Isn't that when Columbus discovered America? That's right. Gaza doctors encounter unexplained injuries, says uh, Donald McIntyre in the Independent UK. Doctors in Gaza are reporting what they say are unexplained injuries among the dead and wounded in operations by the Israeli military, which have killed more than 200 Palestinians in the past nine weeks. Unexplained injuries. The World Health Organization is, and by the way, how about that, Mike Keenan? Huh? Bye-bye, Mike, you idiot, you bozo. Now they got that frog Jack Martin in there, man. What a, what a joke that is. We love the Panthers. Are you ready for hockey season or what? You're going to be going oh, to yeah. those games again, Josh? Yeah. yeah, I'll go to a couple of No, games. you won't. No, you won't. What do you mean? I went to like four last year. To actually watch the game or to go there and like schmooze around and get paid for it? Uh-huh. Well, no. I, I went to four besides the schmoozing and getting paid. Wow. That is, I'm impressed. The World Health Organization is considering whether there is a case for an investigation of the injuries amid suspicions by the medics that the injuries were inflicted by what they claim may have been unidentified non-conventional weapons. Besides especially severe burning down to the bones, the doctors say that in other cases internal organs have been ruptured without any obvious signs of shrapnel wounds. While a report from the Hamas-run Ministry of Health said the injuries raised the possibility that Israel could be using unprecedented projectiles with radiant substances, the medics acknowledge there's no proof so far of their claims. They also admit that the difficulty of establishing the exact cause of death is greatly exacerbated by the reluctance of the most bereaved Palestinian families to allow autopsies. The concerns were aired at the weekend by a group of Palestinian medics during a visit to Gaza by a delegation from Physicians for Human Rights Israel. The delegation agreed to take away fragments of tissue from the bodies of Palestinians killed during the recent military operations in Gaza for possible analysis in Israel, but urged the medics to seek an international investigation. How do you like that? Mm -hmm. There he goes picking on poor little Israel again, man. You just can't stop, can you? No. No. Wow. 
Oh, there's a bunch of Getchkis out there. Look at that. They're talking about America votes. The election's not that far away. It's already September, man, September 5, which means the election is like what? October, uh, two months away, right? Okay. Just like my 64th birthday. Then I can play that. What is the name of that bit? Is it called When I'm 64? Yes. Or Now yeah, I'm 64. What is it? Are you talking about the KJ one? There's, there's two of them. There's one right. about the... Huh? There's a new one called Now I'm Paul 64. Paul McCartney one. What right. is it called? Now I'm 64. Oh, now. Now. Well, why the hell didn't you say it? Oh, oh then there's Now He's 64. Yeah. You're talking over me. Oh. I see. <laughs> but we don't want to play that right now. Maybe so after who? the break. 948 votes on the poll, man. We're rolling along. We got more people voting on the poll than they had listening for that whole tailgate party for that horseball ball game they played last night. Oh, my God. You know, I keep I keep looking at that thing online again and reading about the fact that there was a combined total of three yards rushing in the game. It must have been scintillating, you know. It must have been scintillating. Three yards rushing. And these are the two powerhouses, baby. The Hurricanes and the Seminoles. Why? Give me a break, huh? Three yards. Although I guess this year, Joshua, wasn't wide right or wide left at the end, right? No. Because that's usually what the... But it's almost always a really boring, low-scoring game, total ineptitude, and then at the end, FSU has a chance to win it or tie it, and it's always wide left or wide right, except last year. Didn't they, now, what was the score last year? I don't remember the score. But they did win. Yes, they did. And then they went again la- uh, last night. So I guess the Hurricanes are done. They're finished. So who are we going to... Uh, aren't we cursed down here now? The biggest names. The best talent. Who can we grab Glam Monty now? Sports Radio 560. Quinn. Marlins fans, it's the 2006 QAM Mercedes-Benz Grand Slam inning contest. If a Marlins player hits a Grand Slam in the fifth inning, you could win a two-year lease of a Mercedes-Benz C230. For more information and to enter, log on to WQAM.com today. The 2006 Mercedes-Benz Grand Slam inning contest from Sports Radio 560 QAM. Neil God. You are older, you still have your hair and your arched eyebrow. I heard you are splitting up with Heather, your wife. It's another day in the life. Last year your age was 63. Time to add one more. Let's have a party for Paul McCartney. Now he's 64. Happy birthday to you. You and the Beatles once were big news. John and George are gone. George had cancer, John got shot, they didn't survive. Good old Ringo, he's still alive. Once you were busted, holding some weed. Japan on tour. Your wife doesn't need you. Her lawyers will bleed you. And you're 64. I'm dying out of here.
1119 at QAM. So Mike Walker, who writes uh, Celebrity Gossip Crap in the Inquirer. Remember Mike Walker? He's down with Howard all the time? No. Not Howard David, but I Howard Sperm? No, I don't remember. He writes, yeah, you do. Mike Walker in the Inquirer. What is wrong with you, man? You're out of touch. I, I remember Bo Deedle. Oh, yeah. That's it. Isn't he the fifth Beatle? Yes, he is. Speaking of John Lennon. Uh, Paul McCartney, whoever that was. John Lennon's going to have a birthday pretty soon, too. When baseball legend Steve Garvey showed up an hour late to present an award at the L.A. Emmy Awards show, organizers got annoyed. You know Steve Garvey, who, like, uh, turned into a woman? No, that wasn't Steve Garvey. Who was that? Steve Irwin. No, no, the, the other uh, California athlete who, like, looks like a lady now. I can't think of who that is. He did, he did a spot for some phony uh, weight loss stuff. But anyway, uh, organizers got annoyed. Then downright furious sources say when security reported he lingered for drinks, at an after-party on the outdoor patio, then ducked back into the vacant lobby of the Academy of Television Arts and Sciences and urinated on the carpet. You're going to die up there. Security staff huffily informed organizers they would not mop up after the ex-big leaguer. Steve Garvey peed on the carpet. How do you like that? Great ex-dodger jock idiot. How come I can't think of who the hell that is that looks like a lady now? And I'm sure he doesn't have any anymore. Maybe he had one of those operations that John Mark Carr was hoping to get. Speaking of somebody with an operation, what a good uh, segue, man. Castro, don't you think that those people, all those old green tooth and all those punks that were dancing around and carrying on dancing in the streets without Martha and the Vandellas, they ought to be embarrassed and ashamed, but they never will be. No. Because they're just emotional cripples, man. They're just, they just knee-jerk reaction, man, just like the Jews with Israel. It's the same thing with your people. Oh, Fidel is dead, but everybody's dancing in the streets. they got the hoochie-coochie like they had the La Cucaracha in their pants. Man. Even Sue Stocking was embarrassed by that. Who? No, that's, that, um, that's what I'm going to call her from now on, because we can say that. Can't say that other word, all right? You're crazy. Your Joyce is going to come and kick your ass. There you go. I better go watch that right now. Standing in the shadows of Motown. One Motown. One Motown. Fidel Castro said in a statement today that he's lost more than 41 pounds, even without Jenny. Oh, by the way, you know who's a dis- disgusting pig? Well, we already know that. And a miserable bitch. Who? One of these, uh, she's in here somewhere. Hillary. No. Jenny Craig. No. Kirstie Alley. There you go. Kirstie oh, I read Alley. that story, yeah. Now, wait a minute. In, in, this, in one of these tabloids, there's a thing about... Inquirer. I saw it. You did see it? The fat Kirstie was happy right. and friendly, right. but the skinny right. Kirstie is hungry and, and hungry. she's up like crazy. Wow, and there's John Revolta with it. No wonder he's kissing that guy. He's got these be- these big breasts. Did you see that picture? No, I missed that. In Rome, 2002, he's got breast. Uh, my God, even Dolly Parton's embarrassed. But uh, and here's here's Carney Wilson. Did you did you see all these? Yeah. The before the back then picture. Seriously, she 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 looks like ten candy cowlies all all like sewn together. But the bad news is, and the interesting part about most of them, there's your buddy James Spader, which I can't stand him. I can't. He stand looks him like he's ready for the box, doesn't he? Yep. Wow. I hate him. And Bar and Babs, man. Ooh. Barbara Streisand binged her weight to nearly 200 pounds. Take her. She's 5'5", 200 pounds. So that would be like, uh, you know, what wow. are you, 5'6"? Yes. So that would be like you weighing about uh, Ooh, 210, tough, like 220. Almost double. Like a cow. And here's Mark Anthony, who looks like uh, boy, what a, what a <laughs> screamer. Looks like what? Man, oh, man, a screamer. But anyway, where's the picture of Kirstie Alley? If you haven't got this week's inquiry yet, go out and get it. You're, oh, there she is, down on her hands and knees, which I'm sure it ain't the first time. Because she's a Scientologist, you know. Oh, I see. Oh, that's right. You told me. 
Kirstie Alley was felt and sexy when she broke into Hollywood, and she began to eat and eat and eat. The 5'8 actress didn't slow down until 2'19. Now she's on the Jenny Craig diet, has lost 71 pounds. But the bad news is that she's been uh, picking out again and uh, gaining a lot of it back. So the commercials you see on TV, that's before she started putting it all back on. How do you like that? Oh, Brittany to Kevin, the party's over. That's to K-Fed. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she said that before. She's oh, and weak. here's the article that says Brittany isn't the cash cow she once was. Ooh. Just the cow part. That's a great, isn't that a great line? The mm -hmm. cash cow. Wow, look at some of these. Speaking of cows, some of these people in there. Man. At any rate, we don't want to go into that. Let's get back to Fidel. That's the important stuff. All you people dancing in the streets, carrying out like a bunch of maniacs. Well, it's, you know, it's a little premature evaluation, if you ask me. Of course, a lot of your, a lot of your people have had that problem for years, you know. I know. Today I'm recovering at a satisfactory rhythm, said the statement published in the Communist Party Daily Grandma, which was a company is that, why don't they just call it Abuela? Oh, that's right, don't have a D in it. Which was a company, what, what does that mean, Grandma? G-R-A-N-M-A. I don't know. Oh, which is accompanied by new photographs of the 80-year-old Fidel. He said that he just recently had the last stitches from his surgery removed, probably from his... Rectum. I can affirm that the most critical moment has been left behind. See that? He said something about behind. Rectum. The statement was accompanied by ten photos of Castro during his convalescence. All of them he was sitting up and wearing either short-sleeved navy blue or light blue pajamas. And several he's reading or writing. Or maybe doing arithmetic. Most of the pictures show the leader from the waist up, although one shows the whole body as he sits in a rocking chair with slippers on his feet, reading what looks to be a newspaper. Probably some commie propaganda, probably Pravda, even though they don't publish it anymore, maybe just Grandma. In another picture, Castro holds up a broad, broadsheet proof of a new book written from a series of interviews he gave to French journalist Ignacio Ramonet, which he said was interviewed during, uh, reviewing, uh, he, during his recovery. In the coming days, I'll be receiving distinguished visitors, he added, apparently referring to some of the heads of state and government who will be traveling to Havana for the Summit of Non-Aligned Nations. This doesn't mean that every activity will be immediately accompanied by video or photo images, although news will be provided of every one, the statement said. In the weeks since his surgery... His uh, specific ailment have been treated as a state secret. All of us must understand that it is not convenient to systematically offer information, nor to give out images of my health situation, Castro added. All of us must understand realistically that the complete recovery time, whether we like it or not, will be prolonged until they stick his bearded ass in a box. Then you can dance. At this moment, I'm not in a hurry, and no one should be in a hurry. The country is marching and moving ahead. The government has not announced whether Fidel or Raul represent the country during next week's summit. Raul, you know? Fredo. Fredo Jr.? Right. Good old Fredo. But you notice uh, nothing's happened, though. We kept hearing all these rumors, and something was going to happen. See, Bush is too busy with them Arabs, man, because he's got this Islamophobia. That's what he suffers from. He suffers from homophobia, Islamophobia, and Jewophobia, because all, all Jew, uh, Jews are going to rot in hell. Isn't that nice? Mm-hmm. That's what the Bible certainly, says. certainly hope that all, the, all you Jews out there that voted for Bush either time are going to vote, go vote for his uh, neocon cronies. I hope you're really proud about that. Yeah, but he's so good for Israel, yeah, for obvious reasons. 980 votes. Global warming's got three, by the way. Aren't you excited we added that? Oh, yeah, thrilled. The biggest problem in the world is religion, 385. Get rid of it. Ban it. Dump it. You know, I, I, I told you I saw that travel show last night with uh, mm -hmm. Madrid on PBS. Right. And they were showing all the... Of course, I've been there, but uh, to me, it was kind of a bland city. And all the buildings are white. They all look the same. But... Uh, they showed all the uh, artwork in there, which is enormous museums and all kinds of good stuff. And, and uh, the bloody history, man, you know, from the Inquisition and all the stuff. Uh, oh, yeah. Inquisition. All over the religions, man. Oh, that never happened. No. 983. Ignorance, 239. Biggest problem is greed, only 90. See the top two religion, ignorance. And, of course, you have to be ignorant to believe any of those fairy tales, man. 
Well, the good book says this, and the good book says that, and then, of course, Noah had the uh, ark, man. He was a drunken uh, goofball, but he built the ark. Sure he did. Yeah. Well, he bought the nails at Noah's Ark uh, hardware store in Rochester. Mm-hmm. Overpopulation 62, and, of course, then he had to buy a lot of shovels, too. I wonder how he cornered those elephants and tigers and lions that got them on the ark. Oh, my. And, and, and speaking of stingrays, why did God invent the stingray with that nasty thing? To punish Steve Irwin, obviously. Well, good job. Praise the Lord. Overpopulation 62, intolerance 47, sports talk radio 38. God, eliminate it now, especially after this after this weekend's debacle at QAM. And you notice we don't have any sports nerd writer in town that's got the balls to write an article and say, what a joke, what a, what a ridiculous well, piece of crap. Why, why would they do that? Because they might, because they might you know, have the balls to say it. Yeah. Oh. Terrorism 38, poverty 34, fear 22, I hate this poll 14. Only 1.4%. And Dave Hyde writes this article about how crappy the game was. But I notice he didn't point out that the game is always crappy, and that QM wasted 24 hours and killed our whole rating for the entire day yesterday. Butchered it. And that's because Joe Bell has handed the keys of the kingdom over to a trio of little children. Don't start playing Billy J. Kramer again, please. Disease okay. 11 and global warming, only three. John Gorsuch. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560. And they want that is dumb. The hurricane blow. Five sixty WQAM, your sport whole-minded station presents the Neil Rogers Show. Neil won't be in again today, so that we may provide you with more titillating entertainment, well suited for this area and the management state of mind. Live from the white side of the grove, it's Miami Hurricane Girls Dodgeball. 27 till noon. That's coming up in about 10 minutes. Can't wait. Maybe I'll sneak a call in here. What do you think? Probably won't be any good. Uh, WQAM, hello. Hello, is this Mr. Neil Rogers? Speaking. Hey, Neil, are you back in Miami or is that a lie? I beg your pardon? Are you, are you living here again? I'm in uh, Cedar Key. All right. I feel more comfortable when you're in the state of Florida than in Canada. I don't. You know. No. <laughs> anyway, chances of my Brock doing another show from South Florida on a scale of zero are... You fairy! Uh, oh! The big O, none. Zero. Here's the article I was looking for desperately. Kirsty chows down and then blows up. Did you see this one? Yes. It's in the same inquiry. You saw it? Yeah. You seen it? Yeah. Don't get in the way of a hungry Kirsty alley. That's the lesson learned the hard way by workers and others at a carnival. Oh, that's where she belongs. <laughs> In Alboro, Maine, recently. Oh, that's a good place for her. Maybe she's doing uh, appearances there. After losing 71 pounds on the Jenny Craig diet. Have you called Jenny yet? Cookie dough. Cookie dough. Fettuccine. <laughs> After losing 71 pounds on the Jenny Craig diet, Kirstie's been spotted pigging out in recent months. Oh, no. <laughs> and when she took her two children to the kitty carnival near her summer home, food was her main attraction. She is a sow and a cow. Kirsty and the kids love the petting zoo, but then she got a look at the baked goods. An eyewitness told the inquirer. She ordered a piece of pecan pie for each of them and practically inhaled hers. The next stop was the popcorn wagon. Kirsty ordered bags of buttered popcorn for all three of them and then went back for more. You know, before I go uh, on with this, I was just thinking if they would have had a little bit of ingenuity, I could have worked yesterday and, you, and then you could have worked today. 
Yeah. They could have, like, switched off. No, but then how would they have fit all that great programming in? That's what I'm saying. Instead of that crack for four hours, we could have given the audience a four-hour break from that garbage, nah. from that swill. Oh, in fact, we only had two and a half hours yet anyway because the Marlin pregame was at 1230. I could have done that. Mm-hmm. I would have certainly swapped two and a half hours yesterday so you could do four hours today. Oh, yeah, no, bad deal. Yeah, but I gave you the day off. I know, I like it. It was great. Was it? Yes. What about you, Josh? you have the day off? Yes, I did. I say let's do an instant replay and not do it. I agree. Oh, no. That, that was just garbage, man. I, I say we have an instant replay do it again tomorrow. Party. I, I can only imagine. I mean, how, how much is there to say about the same thing over and over and over again? What kind of crazy people are we working for, huh? Like that. Insane. The next stop was the popcorn wagon. Christy ordered bags of buttered popcorn for all three of her children, then went back for Mo. Oh, she went back for Mo. I wonder how much he ate. As she ordered a second bag for herself, her mood turned ugly. Kirsty got really snooty with the popcorn, man. She snipped. And don't be stingy with the salt. This popcorn is really, really bland. She wolfed down the second bag, and that's when all hell broke loose. In the midst of her eating binge, Kirsty had somehow lost her sunglasses and car keys. Before long, carnival staffers and complete strangers were down on the grass looking for things. She was really annoyed. The kicker was that when somebody finally found her keys and sunglasses on the table, Kirsty grabbed them and then huffed and ran off without a word. Talk about ungrateful. Talk about an ungrateful bitch, sow, a slut. We can't stand you, Kirsty. And by the way, she's a Scientologist. I've just mentioned that in passing. Hey, Kirsty. You bitch, you slut, you whore. And not only that. You fair Did you see Castro on there? They just had a clip. Man, he looked bad. Castro's dead. Wow. Now, wouldn't it be something if, uh, what, what tells her name, the one from the uh, furniture, the um, sofas? Bernadette. Bernadette Cat. Wouldn't it be something, oh, that's right, she's on with Imus all the time. I don't watch him. Even I can't handle that no more. But wouldn't it be on the day that she croaks and a big headline says Castro dies? And then they're going to be out there dancing in the street. Don't get your chain yanked so many times with these uh, premature evaluations, okay? Wait until, uh, you know, they pluck his beard out one hair at a time, and then, then you'll know. Curse the alley, my ass. God, she's disgusting. I wonder why she's in the Scientology. Gay. Think so? Speaking of oops, U.S. warplanes mistakenly strafed Canadian troops fighting Taliban forces in south, southern Afghanistan, killing one soldier and seriously wounding five yesterday, in an operation that NATO claims has also left 200 insurgents dead. They mistakenly killed a Canadian soldier. Oops. Sorry. Sorry, mister. My bad. Yeah. Monday's death took to five the number of Canadian soldiers killed since an anti-Taliban campaign. I thought we were all done with the Taliban. Remember those days? Yeah. We had that big war with Afghanistan and everything was sure. fine. We Mr. put that stooge Karzai in there. Everything was great. Which reminds me, somewhere in this pile I've got the thing about the poppy crop in Afghanistan. It's a, it's a crop of crap is what it is. You said crop, right? Poppy. Like uh, Rick Weaver used to say, poppycock. Remember that? I do. I've got that around here somewhere. Actually, if that, if that didn't have so many carbs, I love that stuff. Uh-huh. Oh, and speaking of crap, speaking of uh, people who are ballooned up, this is great. And you know what? We're, here it is. It's almost noon already, and you have reminded me about the big news of the day, the big, the big uh, Simmons. What's that? Guess who makes her debut tonight on the CBS Evening News? Oh, Katie. And we got a story here from the Louisville, Kentucky Courier-Journal. It was just an eyelash past Women's Equality Day observed, and I use that verb loosely and generously, every year, August 26th, to mark the passage of women's suffrage in the U.S. when reality caught up with Katie Couric, writes Pam Platt. It is not enough that she's going to be the solo anchor of the CBS Evening News starting tonight. 
a much ballyhooed broadcast first for a woman. Yes, this network TV's been around, uh, network TV's been around for 60 years, and this is sadly and depressingly still a first. It is enough that she's going to be paid a reported $15 million a year to be the brand name, trademark, standard bearer, quarterback, and managing editor of regrouping that news shop. It is enough that she was at least co-captain of the top-rated network morning news entertainment program for more than a decade, performing a long-time on-air hat-trick that included questioning presidents and other world leaders, having her colon examined live and in color, flying like Peter Pan, and bringing the grief of Columbine families to a nation without exploiting their pain. Oh, this is a a suck-up. It is enough that she lost a husband and sister to cancer and that she's a single parent of two daughters and that she never stumbled one step in her public life while she faced those challenges at home. Not all of that is enough because someone in the press department of CBS, Inc., took a page from the old playbook of Wallace Simpson and through a smart, powerful, attractive, rich, achieving career woman and mother could stand to be th- uh, thinner, thought. So someone at Katie Couric's own network did a Photoshop nip-and-tuck job on one of her pictures that made the news anchor look more like the floor pre- presenter model on Let's Make a Deal. A lovely woman that model was and is, but Katie Couric is bringing up us news, not what's behind door number one. And the truth is she's all, almost 50 years old, has worked long and hard to get where she is, by the way, Vanna White's 86 and has had a couple of kids along the way and looks just great without the computer touch-up, says uh, Pam, who I think's got the hots for Katie. The anchor publicly tossed off the fake makeover with a good-natured one-liner and bully for her, but the reduction of Katie Couric makes me crazy, it says, and if it doesn't make you crazy, too, I'll at least give you a pause. See, there was my pause. Oh, I, I, I get it. And she goes on to say, I will watch Katie Couric's debut Tuesday night because I want to see history because I want to see if I like her program, period. Oh, she's going to have all these special guests on this week. She's going to have Bill Clinton, and she's going to have Rush Limbaugh, and she's going to have a whole Bob Bush one, and all these other. And, of course, what does that have to do with doing the news? So is this going to be, is this going to really be a news show? Is it going to be another entertainment show oh, yeah. a new, uh, disguised as a news show? They don't have news on the networks anymore anyway. So. Oh, sorry. Who the hell wants to see that anyway? Plus, after they listen to this show, what do they need to find out? They'll find out whatever's going on in the world right here on this ass show, Right. Right. Just sit on your ass. I bet you we got, we do, 1,014 votes. How do you like that? <laughs> One more. 1,016 votes, and it's only 11.42. So like I said, I was only going to do two and a half hours yesterday. So just pretend that uh, you worked yesterday. How is, how is I, I worked yesterday. <laughs> yeah. What? I'll pretend that I worked yesterday so that you can work tomorrow. Jews weren't the only, I know I'm past the break, Jews weren't the only target of Mel's meltdown, writes Robin Mizrahi and Alan Smith in the Inquirer. In fact, just hours before his DUI arrest, the Oscar winner went off on another ethnic group, the Turks. How do you like that? He got involved in a heated political discussion with a group of Americans while dining at Taverna Tony in Malibu, July 27th. It's a very casual place. You can walk around the restaurant, dance area, and terrace, mingling with guests, saw a Hollywood insider who saw the 50-year-old uh, slimeball at the restaurant. I almost said, uh, you know what? He started talking to a group of Armenians, and the discussion turned deadly serious. Mel had a shot of tequila, and you could hear the intensity of his voice as he told Americans how much he admired and respected their ethnicity. At one point, Mel slurred, you guys were the first Christians, and what did that mean for you? Your people were slaughtered by those bastard Turkish brutes. The more he talked, the more worked up Mel became, said the insider. He was very passionate. It wasn't a calm discussion about world history. It almost seemed like he was looking for a fight. How do you like that? Mel Gibson. Wouldn't Hermann Göring be proud? I'm sure. And George Bush. The biggest names, the best talent. Oh. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560, QAM. Want a lollipop, little boy? 
Uh, sir, do you have any liquids? I'm not telling. Oh, you must be jealous. Oh, does that make me a felon? Hey, no need for yelling. Let me get my supervisor, Ellen. Sir, are you jelling? Oh, your question is compelling. Let's see what the dogs are smelling. <laughs> you are so jealous. Oh, you caught me, you infidelins. Let's go. In Gitmo, you'll be dwelling. <laughs> well, I'm telling you. Yeah. 11.49, it's 11 before noon at 560 WQM, your sports mania station, man. We're a bunch of crazy people. It's first down, the ball's on the two-yard line. It was an excellent programming idea. Let's replay that whole game again, okay? Let's hear those three rushing yards. What do the Russians have to do with this? I mean, what, what kind of crap is that? You know, one of the worst pieces of garbage, you know. And that's, that's his place, man. And then your, your buddy, Joe Belly, was in there this morning. Mm-hmm. You know, he talks a good game. He puts on a good the front. You know, he's got the pom-poms. Hey, rah, 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 sis, boom, bah. He ought to be in that movie, but I'm a cheerleader. Uh-oh, paper. I'm a just last sheet of paper came through there. Isn't that a good? Look at that. Just enough. Polls open around South Florida this morning with no significant problems and mixed predictions about how many voters would cash ballots in races ranging from... About 30, man. 30 people voting today, from gubernatorial primaries to county commission and school uh, board seats. Now, is that Tallahassee Nazi? Is that the one where he says, why do you think they call it goober anyway? That's the one. Oh. Well, it's coming right up. Board election supervisor Dr. Brenda Snipes predicts 18 to 21 percent of registered voters will cast ballots today, while Palm Beach County's Arthur Anderson anticipates a turnout of about 25 percent. How do you like that, mm-hmm. you idiots in Broward? Palm Beach has got you beat by, like, maybe a, a few percent, and both numbers still suck. So far, it's on the slow side, Anderson said, outside Christ Fellowship Churches at Christ Fellowship Church in Palm Beach Gardens. That was his second stop of the day after voting himself at 7 a.m. at the Ibis County Club. Ever seen Ibis? Yeah, I have lately. It's pretty good show, too. It sucks. Oh, wrong thing. Wrong ibis. No camp. I've seen uh, ibises. Mm-hmm. They're big white birds with a long beak. Yes, they are. No camp. Oh, and uh, they're like a cleaver. Speaking of, you know, leave it to the 50s in the U.S. If they, if they were doing leave it to be, first of all, that wouldn't be the name of the show. No. It would have to be leave it to. <laughs> Only in the 50s in the U.S. were people naive enough they could have gotten away with a character named Beaver Cleaver. Mm-hmm. Leave it to Beaver My Ass. No campaign workers were visible at either of his first two stops, and only about 50, 15 people had voted at the two locations by the time he moved on to the Hearst Chapel Church in Riviera Beach. Early voting also resulted in a lower response, he said, with only ten to 11,000 casting ballots in the two-week stretch, or was that stench, that ended Sunday. He also said that only 23,000 people requested absentee ballots for the primary, a significant drop from the 2004 general election when 100,000 absentee ballots were sent out and 80,000 in return. How do you like that, man? People just don't give a crap, or else maybe everybody bailed out of that mosquito-infested toilet. I'm surprised not more people are voting, said Robert Klein of Boca Raton. Oh, Bob Klein. He was on that Carlin show last night, a biography. It took him five minutes to vote at the Boca Raton Community Center, where most voting machines sat idle. He said registered voters' apathy has to do with several factors. I think people are overwhelmed by the war, the economy, and gas prices. They should put that behind and concentrate on the future. They have an opportunity to shape what happens in November, he said. And a partridge in a pear tree. Mary Cooney, an elections office official, said only two precincts didn't open on time, both of them because the poll clerk didn't show up on time. The clerk of the polling location has the voter roll, as well as the electronic devices needed to start the machines, and, of course, breakfast, too. <clears throat> they got the honey rolls. Honey. Uh, let's see. The smoothness of Broward's opening contrasted with four years ago when then-supervisor Miriam Elephant had massive problems in the primary. Now, we'll see. Not too many of you are voting today. It's primary day. 
Don't you like, well, of course, our audience saying kind of we're voting in the Republican primary because we only got how many Republicans? About 30, man. Don't forget, we want you to vote for Charlie Christ because he'll be the first gay uh, Republican, uh, gay governor of Florida. And maybe we can drag him ass, his ass out of the closet, too. Maybe he can get up on his tippy toes and give John Revolt a big kiss on the, on the lips. Wouldn't that be swell? That'd be something. 1,042 votes. We may go for 1,200 day before this damn thing is before we're done. This story ought to piss off a lot of people. GOP Congress blocked Clinton push for anti-terror legislation. Did you see this? Did you read it? No, I didn't. It's on our website. You didn't read it? Wagging the dog, no. Senator Orrin Hatch, Republican of Utah, chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, emerged from the meeting and said, this is July 30th, 1996, a quote from CNN. These are very controversial provisions that the Clinton White House wants. Some they're not going to get. Hatch also said he had some problems with the president's proposals to expand wiretapping. That was the 30th of July, 96. So Bill Clinton, rather than just breaking the laws, Bush did, decided to go to the Republican Congress in 96, asked them for increased authority to do even more, more eavesdropping in order to stop the terrorists, stop 9-11. Senior Republican Senator Orrin Hatch, one of the GOP's top picks for the Supreme Court, and a GOP committee chair objected. The Republicans stopped Bill Clinton from getting all the tools he needed to stop the next 9-11. Well, no, actually, they opposed giving President Clinton all the tools he needed to stop the actual 9-11. Could 9-11 have been stopped if the GOP had given President Clinton the tools he requested to stop Osama and Mohammed Atta from killing 3,000 people in New York, Pennsylvania, and Washington? Maybe we need to ask the Republicans up for re-election why they wanted to appease the terrorists. And more of the quote, President Clinton urged Congress Tuesday to act swiftly in developing anti-terrorism legislation before its August recess. We need to keep this country together right now. We need to focus on this terrorism issue, Clinton said during a White House news conference, this again in July of 96. But while the president pushed for quick legislation, Republican lawmakers hardened their stance against some of the proposed anti-terrorism measures. There's even an audio clip. In fact, if you go back to the, uh, on our website, mm -hmm. you go back to the original story, and you can click on uh, the link and listen to it. An audio clip of President Clinton practically begging the Republicans to give him the tools he needed to stop Osama and the terrorists. Trent Lott said no. Orrin Hatch said no. no. Do these men really deserve to run the Congress during a time of war? And Ashton, of course, the answer to that is no. Of course not. But then again, what has that got to do with that ball game last night and those three rushing yards, huh? We did do this the break. This is a bunch of hooey. Yeah, we did. How come I didn't cross it out? I don't know. You're just having too much fun. That must be it. And, of course, we did have that one really good call when I could. Mm -hmm. I don't want to. Over, I don't want to overdo it with these calls because I know you handle all the good ones and you still oh, got yeah. the rest of the week. What? Haven't they been great? They've been spectacular. They've been something. You can't say the word. Beyond belief. I want even Sue can't say it. The biggest names of the best talents in the business. we work with her. Sports Radio 560 QAM. This is Mark Morgan. It's the 12 to 1 hour on QAM. Good morning, Americans. It's Paul Harvey. Stand by for news. Adam Miller of Utica, New York, was showing off his new sports car to his girlfriend, Cindy McGillan. Cindy was thrilled at the speed of the new car. Adam said, if I do 100, will you take your clothes off? Sure, said Cindy. Well, as Adam got it up to 100, sure enough, Cindy peeled off all her clothes. Unable to keep his eyes on the road, Adam skidded off the road and flipped the car over. The naked girl was thrown clear, but Adam was jammed beneath the steering wheel. Go and get help, he pleaded, but I can't, said Cindy. I'm, I'm naked and my clothes are gone. Take my shoe, said Adam, and cover yourself. Holding the shoe over her 
intimate area, Cindy ran down the road and found a service station. Still holding the shoe between her legs, she pleaded to the service station proprietor, please help me. My boyfriend Adam is stuck. The proprietor looked at the shoe and said, there's nothing I can do. He's in too far. Paul Harvey. Good day. Okay. okay, it's noon. Noon. Little hand is on the big hand here at QM. We got Mad Dog at 2. The Power Hour with the Humper and uh, the Thumper and Mad Dog. 4 to 5. Hank's in Vegas, so he'll be like, uh, you know, you know how difficult that is when you don't have the two people in the same room. Huh? Hank in Vegas from 5 to 6.30 <laughs> solo, following the Power Hour and the uh, Together We Take a Shower. Marlon's on deck at 6.30, one of the most incredible things. I keep watching those scores every day, and it's just amazing to me. That's right. They just keep winning and winning. What, what's the, uh, what do they want, like about 20 out of 23 or something like that? Well, did you hear the, the history that they made? What's that? They're the first team. They're over 500, by the way. That's right. They're the first team since 1899 to be 20 games below and reach 500. How do you like that? Oh, my God. They're a game over 500, I believe. Yes, you're right. And they're playing the lame-ass uh, You know what's going to be a big series this weekend when the Phillies come to town? Thursday, Friday, a four-game series Saturday. And Saturday. That, that's big because aren't the Phillies like a game and a half ahead and I think San Diego, too? Yes. In the wild card race? Yep. So they're, huh? Yeah, they're the only two ahead of them. Now, I mean, the Reds are even under 500 now. They, they've fallen off the map. They choked. They gag. It's the uh, ghost of Marge shot coming back to haunt them again because they got too many dark guys on the team. She don't like it. So the Marlins and the Diamondbacks, we got the pregame at 6.30, game at 7.05 with the coma-inducing Dave Van Boring, and then Eddie K follows the baseball game. That's the lineup, baby. That's the new exciting QM lineup, which I'm sure there's a big simis going on. The buzz all around the water coolers all over town is, do you hear that stupid thing they did yesterday in the ball game? Yeah, in the football game. When do you think people are talking about that? All day long. Where was the Neil Rogers show yesterday on QM? The only one that's got like that big audience, the big numbers. Ah, we want that. It's a holiday, you know. Listen, when Clarence sent me the email, he said, would you object if I gave George and Josh the day off? What am I going to say? Oh, yeah, make them work? Huh? I'm glad you Even did. Even a bastard like me isn't going to, you know, he, he phrased it in such a way. Maybe an offer Good. I couldn't refuse. You know? Good. And, and evidently he and made besides. the same offer to Kenny Walker in the morning because Kenny's allowing him to, to burden down the show with all his sports segments. They're going to water down the numbers. Narrow casting. Clarence, it's all you know, baby. Narrow casting. Narrow as a witch's. Rectum. That's right. Unbelievable. Fat witch. Fat witch. Here's an article from Capitol Hill Blue. Don't be picking on dead people. That's bad. <laughs> Crikey. And I got news for her. I don't think that was narrow either. But nevertheless, no. I, I don't want to think about it. Oh, right in the middle of lunch hour. Oh, God, are you sick. What does Sue think about that from our new fishing show? Now, Suds uh, sent me a text message during one of the breaks. He yes. said that we, meaning all of us, he, you, and I, worked with her, and she was doing news over at IOD, but that we wasn't... We worked with Sue Cocking? That wasn't the name she was using, so now we have to figure out who it was. She was using a, a different nom de air. It was a boy named Sue. We worked with that. a few of those. Remember the Jennifer Rem all-female news department? Maybe it was little, maybe it was little Brian Andrews. You think? Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. She's a blonde, if that helps you. We're not talking about women. She's blonde. How old is she, about 80? Uh, I guess maybe 45-ish. How old, about 45? Yeah, something like that. Well, that, that's nice, Suds, but, you know, that, that gives us a, a little bit of a clue. But we work with so many ladies yeah. at IOD, huh? Even some of whom were, like, real ladies. And then, like I said, there was uh, uh, Brian Andrews. Jackpot! Uh-huh. Has Bush gone over the edge? <laughs> 
Capitol Hill Blue, your favorite website. At least it used to be before they. I, I'm telling you that that is first. It's Dan Rather at CBS, which is on a much larger scale, obviously, and then Doug Thompson at Capitol Hill Blue, and these people just disappear. You know, that's what's going on now. An increasing number of Republicans, ranging from former conservative Congressman Joe Scarborough to former President George Herbert Walker Bush, worry that President George W. Bush's tenuous hold on reality is slipping away and the leader of the free world may be sliding into a full-fledged mental breakdown. <laughs> Scarborough sounded the warning recently when he devoted an episode of his MSNBC talk show to the topic, Is Bush an Idiot? No. Yes. Absolutely. Scarborough sounded the warning recently when he devoted an episode to the topic is Bush and Idiot. Other published reports say Bush's own father is worried about his son's mental state. Psychiatrists have observed Bush during his presidency, and they share this concern. Writes Jeffrey Steinberg, an executive intelligence review, the word is circulating in high-level Republican Party circles that former President George uh, Herbert Walker Bush, Bush 1, is profoundly worried about the mental state of his son, the current president. According to sources, Bush 41 has been communicating with his own intimate circle, including former National Security Advisor Brent Scowcroft and former Secretary of State James Baker III, along with former President Bill Clinton, about W's over-the-top support for Israel's current self-destructive assault on Le Lesbianon. The ex-president reportedly has conveyed to his close associates that he fears that W is in a messianic state and is unreachable. Let me say it again. Unreachable. Even by such close advisors as Secretary of State Condom Pleaser Rice. Inside Magazine, the online publication of the Washington Times, buttressed this account, reporting in early August that for the first time, a rift has developed between Rice and Bush over the president's one-sided support for Israel in the ongoing Israeli Defense Forces invasion of Lesbianon. Bush family insiders say the former president's concern over his son's mental state was a primary reason why the president made a rare appearance at the family home in Connecticut during August. Bush rarely visits his father. In fact, NBC News anchor Brian Williams recently reported that former President Clinton, who defeated the elder Bush after one term, visits his former rival more often than the W. White House aides point to the president's increasingly bizarre behavior and impromptu massage of a foreign leader at the recent G8 conference. His pension for farting in front of new West Wing aides. We didn't know about that. No. His pension for farting in front of new West Wing aides. Boy, I bet you Joyce would be PO'd about that. And his... Uh, uh, Trombone Jack. Yeah. And his rambling. Oh, that guy. I see that and over and over again. What's his name again? Ross. Rossi. Uh, Rossi Ross. Rosie Ross. The old guy that plays at the uh, uh, Mountain Top Inn or whatever it is. Green Top Inn. Oh, that right. Ross. His name is Rosie Ross. His pension for farting in front of the new West Wing aides and his... <laughs> I wonder what Sue thinks about that. And his rambling off and incoherent answers to reporters' questions. Don't miss the fishing show on Saturday right after the golf show and the uh, ping pong show. John Dean, the White House counsel, will help bring down another deranged president. Richard M. Nixon shares the concern. In his book, Conservatives Without Conscience, Dean calls Republican-controlled Washington a bullying, manipulative, prejudiced leadership, edging the nation toward a dark era. We have returned to the imperial presidency that existed in the Nixon era, Dean says. We have an unchecked presidency. Are we on the road to fascism, he adds? Clearly, we're not on that road yet, but it would not take much more misguided authoritarian leadership or thoughtless following of such leaders to find ourselves there. I'm not sure which is more frightening, he adds, another major attack or the response of authoritarian conservatives to that attack. Dr. Justin Frank, the prominent George Washington University psychiatrist who wrote Bush on the Couch, Inside the Mind of the President, said Bush has lost touch with reality. With every passing week, Bush marches deeper and deeper into a world of his own making. Central to Bush's world is an iron will which demands that external reality be changed to conform to his personal view of how things are. 
and a lot of farting. As far as Bush's, and, and then and you wonder why he was uh, eating with his mouth open there at the G8. No, I don't. Acting wonder. like some kind of a a goofball. Exactly, goofball is the word. Some kind of a homespun, down-home goofball from Aintree. As far as Bush is concerned, he is telling the truth. As Madeleine Albright recently said to Columbia Magazine, the most serious problem is that George Bush now believes what he says. Like many of my hospitalized patients, Bush has created a vast, detailed, but vague delusional system he feels compelled to maintain at all costs. This system helps him manage the terrifying anxiety that threatens to make his already endangered inner world more chaotic. Psychoanalytic theory suggests that Bush's true enemy is an aspect of himself, the overwhelming anxiety he works so hard to manage. For Bush, lying remains a central defense mechanism in managing his fears. He lies foremost to himself, altering his perception of external or internal reality to fulfill his psychic need, psychic need to maintain order. His anxiety is so great he can't shift his thinking to account for new information, especially the fact that patriotic families of patriotic soldiers demand that he speak with them. Taking responsibility has always been hard for W, and taking responsibility for inflicting harm on others, a major step in the development of maturity, is a step President Bush has yet to make. Instead, he persists in lying to himself, surrounding himself with people who agree with him, and now he's not safe even inside his own closed circle. Dr. Frank has studied Bush's actions and personality extensively and believes the president needs extensive analyzation and help. He needs to be analyzed. It's not too late for Bush to have the second half of his medical checkup, psychological testing, Frank says. After his recent press conference, in which he kept talking about finishing the job while attacking Democrats for wanting an exit strategy, Bush showed even more telltale signs of a particular kind of mental disturbance, which medical professionals call thought disorder. Writing in the Huffington Post, Dr. Frank continues, I had always felt that his inability to respond to crises as seen as his response to 9-11 and Katrina and Israel's bombing of Lebanon was because he suffered from something called effective flooding. Oh, like in Katrina, mm -hmm. where overwhelming anxiety paralyzes any ability to think or even function. Such a response is similar to denial, but writ large. You know, that reminds me of the look on his face when he was sitting there reading that uh, book to the kids, mm -hmm. My Pet Goat. Those who observe the president at such moments, thanks to smuggled film clips and his historic April 2004 press conference, when he was asked if he had made any mistakes as president, see that he starts rapid blinking movements before his eyes glaze over and becomes almost fixed in a blank, mindless state stare. This massive disconnection from inner self and the outer world is called splitting, rhymes with farting. But a recent press conference, August 21, 2006, showed that when he is in control, he is not flooded in this way. Rather, his splitting takes the form of hatred of reality. I use the term hatred purposefully. When he was uh, pushed by a few increasingly frustrated reporters, he behaves like the untreated alcoholic he is, summarily dismissing material reality. When offered a chance to rethink the Iraq war, he becomes obstreperous, using sarcasm to both mask and express his internal rage of being challenged. Obstreperous, I love that word. I don't even know what it means. Well, well too bad. Google it. When back in control, he patronizes members of what he calls the Democrat Party, saying that they're good people and they doesn't question their patriotism. In control, he's a poor man Cicero, saying what he's not going to say anyway, reading between the lines he calls his critics quitters. All of this behavior is in the service of defending himself against reality, something he actively hates. At times, his attempts to ward off reality make him appear stupid. He is not. Rather, internal and external realities are too threatening for him to face. When asked whether he had been surprised or frustrated by all the bad news from Baghdad, he didn't even understand the question. This is because the very act of facing such questions threatens to destroy his tenaciously held preconceptions. This he cannot risk. He employs various coping mechanisms to attack such questions in any way he can. Instead of acknowledging personal frustration, he said the war must be frustrating for the national psyche. But his hatred of reality required a more violent approach. The day after his conference, he sent more of those poor Marines back into a world of horror. 
His ability to dismiss reality is profound, more than the simple method used by his mother, Barbara, who said she wasn't going to watch the TV news during the war because watching body bags would spoil her beautiful mind. No, he has a rugged inner strength, unless confronted by surprise, that enables him to dismiss and destroy personal perception. His mental pulse needs to be taken, not just his physical one. I think that what prevents his doctors from doing so is the fear of what they would find. Without such an examination, we're left with no medical terms to describe his mental functioning, his private global war on terror, which extends to attacks on his own capacity to perceive reality. I've not examined the president, so it's not proper, proper for me to offer a diagnosis. However, my observations lead me to believe that he is psychotic. Excellent, says Dr. Frank. Not related to Barney Frank. How many votes we got in that poll today? The biggest problem in the world is... 1,083. How about George W. Bush? You see how long I waited before we added that? Did you do that on purpose? What? Yeah, because we want to give the rest of my head oh, All right. He'll still win. You think? Yeah. What we got? Religion's got 427. Put it on there now, please. Oh, I sound like Butch Boss. Put it on there now, please. 1213 at 560. WKM, we got the uh, Marlin tailgate party starting in about a half an hour. It's going to be great going to go on and on and on. We're going to analyze every pitch of the last 25 games. The ones that were high and outside, the ones that were low and inside, the ones that were like a uh, wild pitch, uh, whatever. Let me tell you right now about your feet, man. Feet are one of the most important parts of your body. Did you know that? Okay. Sure. It's true. Because everything like starts, you know, go, it drains from the brain to the heart, through the pupic, and then right down to your feet. Brandy's is the place to take those tootsies because it's it's unbeatable, man. That's why they've been around so long. Brandy's has got all the major brands. They got Florsheim, Echo, Mephisto, Rockport, Hush Puppies, New Balance, all the other big name brands in sizes for men and women that every size ever been invented. And they even carry wide widths and hard to find sizes. And when it comes to personal service, man, they really take good care of you to make sure you have a perfect fit every time at an unbeatable price. Go see our good buddy Arnie at Brandy's. He'll make damn sure you get the right fitting shoes for your feet. You'll find Brandy's at 1290 North Federal Highway in Pompano Beach between Atlantic and Copans on the east side. Can't miss it. And Brandy's open every day for your shopping and dancing pleasure Monday through Saturday till 9 and every Sunday till 5. You know, it's a lot of dancing going on lately. It's good. Mostly like tap dancing. And this week, again, is a great time to buy Sperry's. Uh, what is it? It's scary when you think about buying Sperry's. But this week is the time to buy them at Brandy's because American Originals are on sale for only forty-five ninety. Save up to 20 bucks on all of their men's and women's styles, too. So get your fat ass into Brandy's this week or do your shoe shopping right online at brandyshoes.com. The biggest names of best talent. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560, 2 a.m. We're looking at 10 inches. Roll out the barrel. Expensive barrel of oil.
19 at 560. How about them hurricanes, baby? All right. See, that All makes right. it even more embarrassing than it already was. 24-hour build-up. Like, oh, this is going to be the greatest thing since sliced halibut, baby. It's going to be fabulous. It's going to be incredible. And it's a piece of turd, you know. And then they lose on top of that to the dreaded Bobby Bowden. And the uh, I did see on the sideline I saw Bobby Bowden. Yeah. One of his, huh? Yeah. And he looked the same as always. One thing about him, he's the same old redneck, man. He just makes me ill. And that Larry Coker, how, how old is he, about 90? Am I right, Josh? Is he no, an old no, man? I, just gonna say, I mean, you know, they're all old men, but uh, he... What, what do you mean by that? Well, Bobby Bowden's like 90? twice his age. So he's 180. Yeah. And Larry Coker is 90. That's amazing. Why do you have to be so old to be a coach? Lou Holtz is 175. President, speaking of a roll out the barrel, thank you very much, Mr. President, for those very, very accommodating gas prices. Man, oh, man, they really make life uh, sweet for those people who have to drive. That's one good thing here, man. I got no car. Ain't got no car. I don't have to drive. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? I'm thinking about it. Go to a gas station here and say, take me to your liter. Seriously, no. It's like, how, many, how many liters to a gallon? Four? Are oh, you asking me metric questions? Come on, let's get with it, you idiot. You're supposed to be the genius on this show. I'm the fat old faggot. You're supposed I to be the... I, I don't do math, and I sure as hell don't do well, metric conversion. I was conversion. very good at math, but what's that got to do with it? You the don't want to do conversion? Don't have to learn it, don't want to learn it. You're hell, man, with them Jews if you don't do conversion. If you don't accept Jesus as your Savior. I'll start davening now. Uh, that's the wrong one. So, whatever it is, it's about four. I think four liters to a gallon. About four. So, so at one point, it was like a buck a liter here. So, that's four bucks a gallon. 3.7854188. Oh, 3.7. So let's see. So let's say, well, that would be 3.70 a gallon. See what I'm saying? Although I do get good mileage in my vets. People think that a Corvette is a gas guzzler. Guess what? I'm going to get me that 68 Stingray, and I'm going to pull out the, sting, the Stinger, and I'm going to stick it right in my heart. See, that was the problem you told me, huh? That uh, Stu Irwin, I mean Steve Irwin? Yeah, Steve. Is that the, uh, the Stinger, when, well, the thing was buried under the sand. He didn't know it was right. there. And, and as a result, he uh, he laid on it and it zapped that thing right into his heart. It's a barbed, serrated stinger. He should have ought to left it in there, probably. Yeah, he shouldn't have pulled it out. And then, of course, once he did, it left a hole in his heart, assuming he had a heart. Had a heart. Anybody that would dangle their kid. Now, that's, that's even worse than when Michael Jackson was dangling his kid over the balcony or whoever's kid that really is I mean, in Germany. <laughs> remember that? It's his. He paid for it. It's his. Yeah, right. He owns it. Mm-hmm. President Bush marked Labor Day yesterday by promising to help keep U.S. workers competitive in global markets and reduce U.S. reliance on foreign oil so it doesn't choke U.S. economic expansion. Dependence on foreign oil jeopardizes our capacity to grow, he said in a speech focused on the U.S. economy. Democrats contend the middle class isn't enjoying the benefits of recent U.S. economic gains, and they certainly didn't get those big, fat tax cuts for the rich that he's obsessed with, they're giving all his buddies, his base. They say sluggish median earnings show paychecks have failed to keep pace with inflation, and they note rising health care and energy costs. Average prices at the gas pump have eased over the past month from more than 3 bucks a gallon for unleaded regular gas to only 279 What a bargoon, man. That's given Americans some relief, but Bush warned against continued... Re- Here's the best part. He warned against continued reliance on oil-producing countries where the U.S. is unpopular. Huh. Here, no, this is, the, this is one of the greatest lines in history. The problem is we get oil from some parts of the world, and they simply don't like us. They, they hate us for our freedom. Like Saudi Arabia, for example. I thought those were his best buddies. Shh. They don't come no duller than Prince Abdullah. And so the more dependent we are on that type of energy, he says, the less likely it'll be, we'll be able to compete, and so people uh, can have good, high-paying jobs. 
Bush said he's working to advance technology so batteries can power automobiles. Oh, give me a break, okay? Stop the BS, baby. Really? Stop the baloney. Even Oscar Mayer never smelled so much baloney, okay? Alternative uh, energy, my ass. Yeah, I could generate a lot, I hear. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I could probably. Well, he's farting a lot, and I can't, I can't imagine why. Can you imagine? Oh, yeah, I imagine. With all the, all the blood on his hands and all the he death and destruction and devastation that he's personally responsible for, how much farting he's doing. You know, a lot of people, when they get nervous, they fart a lot. I, I don't understand that, really. But sure, sure Isn't that true? Your, your kishkis start twisting when you're nervous. Is that what it is? Sure. Boy, I sure could go for a nice plate of kishki right mm. now. Yeah. It's nice gravy on it. All for me. Steve Connor writes in the Independent UK, and leave it to the Brits. Leave it to the stodgy, stuffy Brits. At least, at least some of their media write the truth. You won't get the truth on your network news, even if Katie Couric is on there, that bitch. Ask me if I'm going to be watching that tonight. No. Gonna Are you going to be watching? Who you, you on tonight? CBS? No, I don't watch a lot of network news, to be honest with you. Get out of here. I don't. You always watch NBC News. I always ask you about different things. Did you if, see that? And you always say yes. Maybe you're just lying. Uh, yeah. make, make me feel like you're a real little pseudo-intellectual. That's it. If I am watching some news, I watch NBC. Right. NBC, so I, I, I don't have that much. Although I, I, thought, I thought that his interview with Bush was so weak, so lame in New Orleans, you know? So lame. Right. I mean, they're walking through these devastated, butchered neighborhoods, man, with nothing. All these poor Schwarzers there, man, they're just uh, they're hanging. In fact, most of them aren't even back there yet because they can't go home. city is a toilet. In fact, it was a toilet before Katrina. Now it's, a, now it's like a sump pump, like a septic tank. And he's uh, letting them off the hook, you know. It's just, just pathetic. Ice bubbles reveal biggest rise in CO2 in 800,000 years. But who's keeping track? But, of course, if it's 800,000 years, then that uh, makes all those goyim and uh, the Jews liars about the world is 6,000 years old, the universe. Air bubbles trapped in ice for hundreds of thousands of years have revealed that humans are changing the composition of the atmosphere in a manner that has known no known natural parallel. Let me say it again. In a manner that has no known natural parallel. Scientists at the British Arctic, uh, Antarctic Survey, the BAS in Cambridge, have found there have been eight cycles of atmospheric change in the past 800,000 years when carbon dioxide and methane have risen to peak levels. That's probably the methane is because Bush is farting so much. Each time the world also experienced a relatively... You're going to start with that Susan crap again or whatever her name is. Who is she, anyway? Uh, I, sent you, I sent you a picture. Let's see if it rings a bell with you. You did? Well, how I am did. I supposed to know that? I just you think I'm checking my email here? I'm, I'm busy no. doing a very important radio show, I think. Each time the world also experienced a relatively high temperatures associated with warm interglacial periods, which were almost certainly linked with levels of carbon dioxide and possibly methane in the atmosphere. Quit farting, you maniacs. Joyce has the right idea. However, existing levels of carbon dioxide and methane are far higher than anything seen during these earlier warm periods, said Eric Wolf of the BAS. Ice core, uh, cores revealed the Earth's natural climate rhythm over the last 800,000 years. When carbon dioxide changed, there was always an accompanying climate change, he said. Over the past 200 years, human activities increased carbon dioxide to well outside the natural range, and we have no analog for what will happen next. How do you like that? Absolutely correct, sir. Oh, my God. Not that we want you to panic or anything like that. Just quit farting, please. Especially when we're around. Especially if it's a nasty egg fart. Oh, musty, you know. Especially if you don't change your clothes a lot. 27 past noon. I know, one thing I know is about the Europeans, man. They must sleep in their clothes. The biggest names. The best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560. 2 a.m. Portals are strange. They're never happy. Never get laid and stay home all alone. Welcome to another edition of Inside Life with Sportholes. Dre Stan Nasalmist is our guest today. 
Yo, Dre, Yo. what do you have to say about your admirers who are obsessed and worship you in every way and base their intellect and entire existence on your ability to catch a ball? I don't know what I've been told, but a big-legged woman ain't got no thought. Mm. What's your take on the over and under and the under of the over of the underwear? I don't know what I've been told, but a big-legged woman ain't got no mm. thought. And, and what's your take on those rumors flying around that you're articulate enough to replace Michael Jordan on those MCI spots. They say you're getting close to signing that contract. I don't know what I've been told, but a big-legged woman ain't got no thole. Tell us more about your charitable work for underprivileged children helping to improve their mathematics skills through showing them how to properly weigh crack rock. I don't know what I've been told, but a big-legged woman ain't got no thole. Mm-hmm. We'll be back with more Inside Lifeless Portholes. 2701 at QAM, so I got some bad news for you. If you emailed me something to either uh, Hotmail or Yahoo or any of these things, yeah. Uh, yeah. All of these it things. never showed up here. Hmm. If you check. emailed me a picture of Susan Cocking. Yes, I did. Wearing her silk stockings huh. while the uh, shuttle was docking. Yeah, uh, check my address and try it again or something. I beg your pardon? I'm going to check my address and try it again. What, what do you mean by that? Well, make sure I send it to the right person. I might have sent well, it to Well, why the hell else. wouldn't you do that? What, what is, I mean, is this like rocket science? Even I can do that. Okay. Dar Jamil and Ali Al-Fadili. Ooh, what is that? Right, in the Interpress Service, U.S. losing control fast. The U.S. military has lost control over the volatile Al-Anbar province, Iraqi police and residents say. The area to the west of Baghdad includes Fallujah, Ramadi, and other towns that have seen the worst of military occupation and the strongest resistance and a lot of bloodshed. Despite massive military operations which destroyed most of Fallujah and much of cities like Haditha and Al-Qaim in Ramadi, real control of the city now seems to be in the hands of local resistance. In losing control of this province, the U.S. would have lost control over much of Iraq. We're talking about nearly a third of the area of Iraq, Ahmed Salman, a historian from Fallujah, told IPS. Al-Anbar borders Jordan, Syria, and Saudi Arabia, and the resistance there will never stop as long as there are American soldiers on the ground. And by the way, speaking of all those other oil-producing countries that are such... Uh, enemies of the U.S. like Canada right. and Iraq, which now the U.S. occupies. The resistance seems in control of the province now. No government official can do anything without contacting the resistance first. Government officials in Ramadi, Abu Ghalib, that's his name, told IBS. Abu Ghalib, I wonder if he's related to... Abu Ghalib. Even the governor used to take their approval for everything. When he stopped doing so, they issued a death sentence against him, and now he cannot move without American protection. Recent weeks have brought countless attacks on U.S. troops in Haditha, Ramadi, Fallujah, and on the Baghdad Amman Highway. Amman. Amman Highway. That's related to Yaman. Right up the road. Several armored vehicles have been destroyed, and dozens of U.S. soldiers killed in the Al Arbar province, according to both Iraqi witnesses and the U.S. Department of Defense. As your president continues to send all these uh, kids over there to be slaughtered, to be fished in a barrel. Long stretches of the 550-kilometer Baghdad Amman Highway, which crosses Al Anbar, are now controlled by resistance groups. Other parts are targeted by highway looters. Uh, if we import any supplies for the U.S. Army or Iraqi government, the fighters will take them from us, and they sell them in the local market, trader Hadir al-Musawi said. And if we import for the local market, the robbers will take them. The stuff, the goods, the crap. Eyewitnesses in Ramadi say many of the attacks are taking place within their city. They say that the U.S. military recently asked citizens in Al-Anbar to stop targeting them and promised to withdraw to their bases in Haditha, Haditha and uh, Hanabaya near Fallujah soon. You know where that is? Habaniya? No. Leaving the cities for Iraq security forces to patrol. Well, it's, just, it's all you know, really good news from Iraq, where things are going so swimmingly well. 
Brattleboro, Vermont. Ever been there? No. I think Vermont's our kind of a state, you know? Yes. All about what I, heathen what I hear, perverts. Yes. Uh-huh. Brattleboro, Vermont. Oh, I, I just now noticed that the uh, margin of this is chopped off again. Boy, don't you hate when that happens? I sure do. Well, you don't because you don't read this stuff. Right. Public nudity isn't new to this bastion of Bohemia, but it usually bears itself in more subtle places than the downtown parking lot. Is this that story about those naked teenagers? Yes. And it's got a picture of them. Really? Yes. Well, two guys. Oh, gee. And the one of them, boy, he makes Karen Carpenter look like Kirstie Alley. Alec McPherson and Chris Corr relax in a parking lot in Brattleboro last month. They're sitting there on the sidewalk, and they're naked as a jaybird. This summer, a group of teenagers disrobed near restaurants, bookstores, and the town's many galleries, igniting debate about whether Brattleboro should brand a practice long tolerated until now. Brattleboro tends to be a laid-back town and pretty accepting of the unusual, but this is really pushing the limits, said Police Chief John Martin. It's clearly to outrage people. It is clearly rebelliousness. No. By most accounts, the stripping started on a whim in early summer when a young woman sat naked on a park bench, Martin said. Then another woman started taking her shirt off downtown. All right. A music festival promoting nudity and rebelliousness set up in May in a downtown parking lot attracting nude hula hoopers. They were swinging it. Hooping it up, I imagine. Yeah. Last month, a half dozen... I wonder if uh, Susan was there. Last month, a half dozen young people bared their bodies in a parking lot encircled by the backs of bookstores, coffee shops, and restaurants. It's just an act of freedom, said 19-year-old Adi Pallar. We're doing so because we can. Why are you picking your nose? Because I can. Why are you picking your... Rectum. Because I can. Why is the dog licking himself? Because he can. Right? Right. Pilar said he and the others do not consider nakedness to be innately sexual or rude, and it shouldn't be confined to that. Although if you look like these two, believe me, it's rude and crude. All the bare skin has raised some eyebrows, even in this town of 12,000 residents that's seen clothing optional, optional swimming holes, streakers, and an event known as Breast Fest, which featured women parading topless. All right. To most people, it's not a big deal, said Catherine Kaufman, 57, who calls Brattleboro, uh, there's, there's something missing. Oh, I see. Who calls Brattleboro a don't-take-away-too-many-of-my-rights kind of town. At everyone's books, that's the name of the store, co-owner Rich Guidel, 50, said the parking lot may not be the most appropriate place for nudity, but as long as people are polite, don't block the entrance. We don't ask them to leave. To others, it's disturbing and something more than harmless rebellion. It's a bad image for Brattleboro, said Ozzy Kokagulu, huh? 43, Coca something, Cola, who owns the sun-dried tomato restaurant at the far end of the parking lot, which had long has been a teen hangout. They're a little fried, and they go to get sun-dried. Vermont's no, got no state laws against public nudity, but communities can write their own bans. At least eight cities and towns have anti-nudity ordinances, according to the Vermont League of Towns and Cities. So far, Brattleboro has chosen not to join them, but the teenagers disrobing may change that. Officials in the southeast Vermont town, about 80 miles west of Boston, are researching how other communities have responded. Nudity has been used for social protest and rebelliousness for years. This summer, nude bicyclists rode through Burlington, Vermont, to protest the country's reliance on oil, part of an event known as the World Naked Bike Ride. PETA, oh, your favorite, your favorite mm -hmm. organization in the world. PETA. Right, that's the one. PETA, People for the Ethical Treatment of Animals, has often used nudity as a shock tactic to draw attention to the treatment of animals and research in fashion. The 50,000-member American Association for Nude Recreation espouses nude recreation in appropriate places, but doesn't use nudity for social commentary or rebelliousness or an act of civil disobedience, said Mary Jane Colassa. Rhymes with watch your assa. In Vermont, voters have shot down nudity bans before. 
Prompted by complaints about nudity and sexual activity in the swimming hole, the Wilmington Select Board passed an anti-nudity uh, ordinance in 2002, but supporters of the Freedom to Skinny Dip rejected the ban in the public vote. They let the people vote on it. We said we like naked. Yeah. There were some ugly moments in the debate. Yeah, I see them in this picture. With some name-calling and lots of uh, good, healthy debate about reasonable rights and responsibility under those rights, said Wilmington Town Clerk Susie Howout. Oh. No, not Susie Cocking. Susie Howout. Howout. Officials weren't sure how they would have uh, enforced a ban and to what extent, she said. For now, Brattleboro is weighing its options and waiting for summer to turn to fall. As soon as winter comes, there won't be a story no more, she said. No more. They don't want to freeze their privates or sergeants or colonels. Isn't it great that we got all these retired military people that go on TV, these talking heads, and pop, 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 pop. Isn't that great? Well, it's good they can find a job. The VA doesn't. Isn't it amazing that almost all of them are right wing, uh, you know, sucker? Coincidence? Yeah, just a coincidence. Oh, now we see the Stingrays, man. There's Mm -hmm. one after another after another. There's John uh, Stanton. He's uh, Irwin's friend. Stingray pissed me on. He's going to be on Larry King tonight. You're going to miss that? Uh Yeah. Just like I I missed that football game last night. Did we miss that? Uh I bet you Josh, uh, he was there. Yes, I was. And? What do you want to say? No, was the game really as bad as uh, everything that we're reading about? Well, it was. Yeah. I saw about, like I said, eight seconds of it. It was worse for me because I was there and it was raining. In fact, I saw uh, FSU had like third and 16, and a quarterback dropped back and had all day to throw the ball, and he heaved it like about 20 yards over the receiver's head, and then I turned it off. That was that, That's what I saw at the game. Well, here's a crocodile chasing Sterwin around. Crocky. Steve. And there he is with that little kid. Oh, they're not going to show him holding that little kid up again and just teasing the crocodile with it. I'm going to tell you, all you people out there that endanger your little kids or anybody else who can't protect themselves, the Lord will uh, strike and smite you and stick something right through your uh, the heart. The biggest names, the best heart. talent. This is Peter Rogers, Sports Radio 560 UAM. This is the CBS Evening News. Good evening. I'm Dan Rather on special assignment for CBS Evening News. Thanks to the Bush administration's bungling of this trumped-up war in the Middle East, Muslim violence exploded again today in protest of the cartoon depicting the Prophet Muhammad here in the once tranquil toon town. Stinky, you clean for that. Little pig, little pig is unclean. Oh, crap. Blame for the violence rests squarely on... Hamas Barbera. And in Pakistan, authorities report three protesters were injured today when anvils fell on their heads. The situation was compounded by the news from Tehran that Iran was producing its own Adam Ant. Reporting live from Toontown, I'm Dan Rather, CBS Evening News. Now back to you. Yeah, 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 that's all up, folks. 1248-560-W3, I mean, your uh, email still didn't come through. I don't know where that's the hell you're sending it. I don't know. Maybe you're sending it to the same place where Clarence sent the trends on that Friday, week ago Friday, where he kept faxing stuff to uh, God only knows where. Probably to uh, in the outer space. Huh. Maybe the trends are in Uranus or on Uranus. 1,155 votes on the poll. The biggest problem in the world is religion, 447. What are you sending it to, Hotmail or uh, Yahoo? Yeah, yeah, your Hotmail. Not coming through. Bizarre. Probably blocked. That could be. No, in fact, I'm pretty sure that there's a thing on there. It says if any pictures of Susan Cocking come through here, they will be blocked at it. Religion 447, get rid of it. Get with the real world, okay? And stop with the hocus-pocus and the heebie-jeebies, okay? Especially that heebie Oy. stuff. That's what Bush said. Enough of them heebies. Ignorance 289, greed 94, overpopulation 72. 
And, of course, we wouldn't be overpopulating uh, if the religionists were like anti-condom and anti-birth control. And if the Catholics weren't still preaching that archaic, uh, I got rid of the crap, got rid of my ass. Really? Winning like? by numbers, baby, that's what it's all about. How many babies can you make to support Jesus? That's it. Jesus wants you to make a lot of babies. Intolerance 51, especially if you can't feed them. Sports Talk Radio 42, it's two ahead of terrorism, which has only got 40. In fact, I think that Sports Talk Radio is a form of terrorism. Wouldn't you? At least a form of torture. I'm terrified. Although I do like those 24-hour tailgate parties a lot. Yeah. Let's have another one tomorrow, Thursday. Oh! <laughs> no, we can have it on uh, tomorrow, starting at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning and running uh, 36 hours. Poverty, 38. Fear, 24. George W. Bush, who wasn't even on there before, he's got 21. So you said he was going to zoom to the top. Not true. He will. No. I hate this poll, 15. Disease, 13. Global warming, only 10. They don't, they don't care about that. Even that thing about the carbon dioxide. They don't care about that. They do care about the methane, especially if it's coming from your president's... Rectum. Right. How do you like that thing about him farting at the uh, new reporters? Yeah. Hey, I guess he's going to show them uh, who's boss, huh? Mm -hmm. I mean, what are you going to say if the president farts in your face? You go, oh, my God. You know, of course, what do you really say if anybody farts? I mean, if hey, somebody Jack, in... take that outside. Hey, warn me before you do You're that. You're going to say that? It depends on who it is that cuts it. What if Joe Bell, who was in there this morning in the studio, what if he would have farted real bad? Would you said, oh, my oh, God. Great job. Were... Boy, that was wonderful aroma. No, you would not. <laughs> no. You wouldn't have said anything. You would have just got a Pretended sour... I didn't hear anything. You just wrinkled yet. up your nose like, oh. <laughs> yeah, that's how you would have gone. Kind of, what's kind of what's like that, this. a barking spider? Yeah. Maybe, maybe Greg Reed had a farting problem. Yeah. Maybe people who lie a lot have a farting problem. Because yeah. that's all he ever said, basically. An idiot. Palestinian Authority Chairman Mahmoud Abbas. I love saying Mahmoud, man. I love that. As <laughs> much as you that uh, Rachmaninejad? Yeah. Rock and roll high school man with Vince Van Patten. God, he sure was pretty. Oh, and let me t tell you what else. Well, I'll admit it, because I don't know how old he is now. Hundred. No, uh, Simon on, uh, I thought Seventh Heaven was off the air already, but they sure as hell show it on all my cable channels about 4,000 times. Last night you had a choice between either the football game or Seventh Heaven. I mean, out of 800 channels. It's on a lot of channels. Are they showing, I guess they're not reruns because everybody on the show is older, including Simon. Hey, Simon. Anyway, um, Palestinian Authority Chairman Mahmoud Abbas confirmed today that a deal had been reached to secure the release of kidnapped IDF soldier Corporal Gilad Shalit, you know that ugly kid with the glasses that looks like Robert Reaper on a bad day? No. And the big beak? He's just got a big... He's got Geldi's beak, and the rest of him looks like uh, Robert. Nerd. Abbas told Bahrain-based uh, newspaper Al Halid. I wonder if Michael Jackson's reading that. He's in Bahrain, isn't he? That's what I heard. Anyway, uh, Abbas told uh, the newspaper that Shalit would be transferred to Egypt and held there until Israel fulfilled its part of the bargain. Earlier, Channel 2 News, that's not your Channel 2, that's in Israel, reported that the kidnappers had promised to release news of the soldiers' welfare by tomorrow. The announcement came after the Egyptian newspaper Al Hayat reported that Shalit had already been transferred to Egypt as part of a deal to secure his release. He's in Egypt where he'll be safe with the ferry uh, pharaohs and the pyramids. I want you to tell me how they built those pyramids, huh? You know, some of the best... Too bad uh, Josh didn't buy your HD set yet like he promised to. He's got his. So right. That's his attitude. He's got his. He don't care about you and no more. That's right. But you could see, like, on Discovery, and uh, Josh will bear this out, some of the most interesting stuff Discovery is Discovery is the best. Wow. The best It HD is just channel. beauteous, man. And I can't wait until they release... You notice how they they're keep talking about the fact that they were videotaping that show with um, Stu Irwin. I mean, Steve Irwin. And uh, they're not showing it. 
You know what I'm saying? That'll be on YouTube in a couple of days. Yeah, well, the police confiscated the tape as evidence. Because they're having evidence an investigation. Okay, what it's going to be is who, you know, they'll sell it to but the highest bidder. Yeah. In the tabloid, somebody will have it. Somebody will pay the photographer like $20 uh, zillion, dollars, and then it'll be all over the Internet. Yeah, you're right. YouTube. Uh, you uh, will have it. Excuse me. Crikey. Yeah, that, that's Aussies, man. It's so it's just silly. It's just silly. Of course, that's the Brit thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the people from India are a little bit silly, too. They're, they're pretty sick, especially that whole business where, you know, if the uh, woman's family doesn't have the dowry, they just kill her. Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of fun. Set fire to her. <laughs> well, they're not all that civilized sometimes, and, of course, that's a Brit thing. The Brits uncivilize the whole world, just like George Bush is trying to do right now. Turned everybody into a bunch of freaking barbarians. Oh, don't say freaking, because Kenny Walker said the uh, F word four times this morning. Did he? No. Well, not on the air. Oh. No, after, after you were warning them about Clarence and how he's trying to destroy their show. Hey, Clarence, you're going to be toast pretty soon, sweetheart. I think, I think toast has been, he's been uh, chosen to assassinate uh, Clarence in the, in the hallway. <laughs> he won the contest? But, yeah, and see, there won't They're be any spot. Now that the water Nazi is going, there won't be anybody lurking in the hall to see who done it. That's we, a good question. Then we, then we can put the trial on court TV and have Nancy Grace come in and you know, narrate. Friend, 1173 votes. The biggest problem in the world is religion, 455. Ignorance, 291. Greed, 95. Wouldn't that be good, uh, that'd be good for a uh, radio station? Greed, 95. As opposed to I-95. I wonder how many people remember I-95. Remember that? About 30, man. Keith Isley was the program director who used to sit in his... Uh, he used to come in to work about 2 in the morning and sit there. And I actually come in like around midnight because I'd be leaving at midnight and he would just mm-hmm. come into the orifice, sit there all alone in the dark eating uh, fish eggs. Strange dude. Ignorance, 294. Greed, I-95. Overpopulation, 73. Intolerance, 51. Sports Talk Radio, 42. Terrorism, 40. Poverty, 38. George W. Bush starting to move up now, 28. Fear, 24. I hate this pool, only 15. Disease, 13. And global warming, 11. Out of 1179. Most Americans are angry about something. Are you angry? Ah, you know When it. it comes to how the country is run, and they are more... By the way, get out there and vote today. It's the primary, baby. All you Republicans, get out there and vote for uh, Charlie Christ so we can have a Yay. governor. A majority of Americans surveyed, and a higher percentage than recorded during the same time last year, said things in the U.S. are going badly, bad, as in woe is us. Remember Howard Beale kept saying woe is us? Mm-hmm. Josh was asleep by that part of the movie. Among this year's respondents, 29% said pretty badly, and 25% um, from 15 a month ago answered very badly. By comparison, 37% described the way things are going fairly well. Only, you know how many percent? What percent was said very well? Nine. Only nine said very well. Of these people, 76% said there was something to be angry about in the country today. By comparison, 59% said that way back in February when they took their temperature. Only 21% said they were generally content in the latest poll. People are pissed off and fired up, baby. Now, let's hope they continue that until November, two months away. Two months from today, I believe it is, isn't it? Two months from today. Okay. But, of course, we'll probably have an October surprise, a very early November surprise. The biggest name. Lots of surprises, the talent. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560, QAM. This is Tammy Biker, and even though I dumped Jimmy, I still listen to the one to two hour. Praise the Lord. Hurricane fucking blow. Absolutely. 
There's a pill for everything, even for a bigger ding-a-ling. Swallow one to make your hair grow in, or eliminate your double chin. If you have trouble getting to sleep, get a prescription for Ambion. You'll be truly dreaming, not a thief. Pop a pill and then you're done. Now, there's a pill for everything. If you find a bump or a red ring, make that giant coolie disappear. Don't work out, just swallow one with beer. Now, there is no need to operate. If you're always going number one, get some full max to shrink your frustrate. Pop a pill and then you're done. Now, there's a pill for everything. If you find a rash from your last fling, if you're feeling depressed, don't do crack. Ask your doctor to give you Prozac. If you are not careful having sex, you'll get more than just an oven with a bun. Ask the clinic doctor for Valtrex. Pop a pill and then you're done. Now, there's a pill for everything, even for allergies in the spring. If your toes are looking sort of ill, make them better with some Lamazil. There's Plavix, Restore, and Nexium. Feel what you have quicker than a gun. Side effects may produce nipple numb. Pop a pill and then you're done. Lipitor, Glycolax, Vicodin, Trollorax. Get yourself a prescription. You're done. 101 at 560 WQM. Katie Couric debuts on CBS tonight. Any interest? No. No. Couldn't care less. Hmm. I mean, I wouldn't watch her on the Today Show, so why would I watch her on the Evening News? Huh? Right. An assistant youth football coach. See, here's some uh, sports stuff. Who says we're not a sports show, right? Hey, Clarence, you're an idiot. We just took a vote. An assistant youth football coach was arrested on charges of felony child abuse after rushing the field and knocking an opposing player to the ground, police said, in Stockton, California. I wonder if that was named after that very mediocre uh, Dick Stockton, who's probably listening right now. The NFL season starts, what, Thursday? Yeah, with, with the Dolphins. Oh, and then I see Ben Roethlisberger ain't going to be playing. Emergency surgery. Nah, get out of here. They probably gave him a bag of money, you know. Emergency surgery, my ass. He's not, he's not going to be playing, so the Dolphins might have a chance. Because the Steelers would mop the field up with him. You know that, right? If, if he was playing? Yes. That's a shame. And the Patriots are who they open against. Oh, you don't know. No. And the Bucks? that's your team. I don't know. <laughs> I got See, time to one, look. I got time it, to look. It's one of those things that once it gets started, you get into it. But all, you know, all this foreplay on this station, and of course, across the street, oh... Corey Patero, 36, of Riverbank, turned himself into Stockton Police Saturday night following a late hit that turned into a brawl with parents and children from both teams fighting on the field. Lovely. And there's a picture of it here. It's like a major brawl broke out. The incident was recorded on videotape, and for like $100, you can see it. Referee Tim Wynack said he had just called a penalty on Brian Wood, 13, a Stockton Bears player. There was a penalty on the play. It was a late hit, Wynack said. The parent of the kid who got hit took exception to it and came charging out of the field. Daniel Champion, who identified himself as Woods as his father, told the Stockton record that his son suffered bruises on his stomach and jaw from the assault. Oh, poor baby. The brawl erupted around 3.30 p.m. with less than a minute left to play between the River Oak Redskins and the Stockton Bears. Fighting continued for about 20 minutes. No major injuries reported police are continuing to investigate the situation. That's something. This is all to teach kids good sportsmanship and crap like that. Anybody believe in that? No. Of course not. Go out there and beat their brains in, baby. That's the American effing way. Oh, there's that obnoxious. So what's the hell's her name again? Error. The one that uh, had the mic open that they had big. Oh, Kira about. Phillips. Kira Phillips. 
Well, there's Harry Reid. What's he saying? The significance in the United States. He is so, so weak. He is, he is uh, emblematic of what the Democratic Party has become. Weak. Really weak. He, he's like the Rita Cosby of politics. Report. The administration has failed to enact. We can barely speak. This is the spokesman. Even Brian Murray make a better spokesman, even though we can't say it. Robert Fisk, America's aggression is fueling extremism, says Iran's ex-president. You know, that's Robert Fisk, who lives in Lesbianon and writes for the Independent yeah. UK. But he was in Chicago when he wrote this. Probably a good idea to get there a lot of Lesbianon. He says, as the West War on Terror burns across the Muslim world, one of Islam's most principal leaders, the former Iranian President Mohammad Khatami, that's the one that uh, Rick Santorum was having a fit about letting into the country? I see. Issued a grave warning from the very heart of America, the country whose troops and allies are fighting Islamists across the Middle East in a war that's costing thousands of Muslims' lives and, of course, hundreds of billions of dollars. The policies of the neoconservatives have created a war that creates more extremist and radical zeal, told the Independent in Chicago. The events of 9-11 gave them the ability to create fear and anxiety and to create new policies of their own, and now events are creating an expansion of extremists on both sides. A struggle is underway to dominate this world multilaterally. We are witness to war with suppression from one side and extremist reaction in the form of terror from the other side. Katami appeared uh, an improbable figure in the breakfast room of one of Chicago's smartest hotels, dressed in his black turban and long gown, his spectacles giving him the appearance of a university don, which he once was, rather than the seer of Iran, a man who de whose demands for a civil society and democracy at home were overwhelmed by the ascetic clerics who surround the supreme leader, Ayatollah Khamenei. Yet he is enormously important in the Sunni as well as in the Shia Muslim worlds as a philosopher's scholar, which is probably why the Bush administration gave him a visa, and a MasterCard, and an American Express Gold Card, or I think it was a Platinum. And his message was the sharpest he's ever delivered to the Muslim world and the secular West. The former president of uh, Iran said, We have to find ways to confront these people on both sides. We need public opinion to be influenced. Now the neoconservative policies have created this sort of war, to which I would say you are... Absolutely correct, sir. But Mr. Katami, who defended Iran's role in the nuclear crisis between the West and Tehran... He asked why Israel was allowed nuclear weapons while refusing to sign the Nuclear Non-Proliferation Pact, did not spare the perpetrators of what he called the inhumane terrorist attacks of 9-11-2001. I was one of the first officials to condemn this barbaric act. This inferno would only intensify extremism and one-sidedness and would have no outcome except to retard justice and intellect and sacrifice righteousness and humanity, he'd be saying. Addressing 15,000 American Muslims over the weekend, Katami also made a clear assault on the influence of Israel's political lobby in the U.S., we are unfortunately witnessing the emergence of policies that seek to confiscate public opinion in order to exploit all the grandeur of the nation and country of the United States, policies that are the outcome of a point of view that, despite having no status in the U.S. public arena as far as numbers are concerned, uses decisive lobby groups and influential centers to utilize the entirety of America's powers and wealth to promote its own interest and to implant policies outside U.S. borders that have no resemblance to the spirit of Anglo-American civilization and the aspirations of its founding fathers or its constitution, causing crisis after crisis in our world. Huh. Wow. When he spoke of the vast and all-encompassing presence of powers who express concern for the world but implement policies aimed at devouring the world, there was a sense of shock among the audience. They hadn't expected such an epic denunciation of U.S. hegemony from a divine known for his compassion rather than his anger. Any popular or democratic change or transformation that is outside the realm of their influence is not acceptable, he said, for they find it far more convenient to deal with non-nationalistic and non-popular trends and regimes rather than popular ones who naturally tend to care about the welfare and the physical interests of their people. Thus did Mr. Katami dispose of America's cry for democracy in the so-called New Middle East. 
Needless to say, his words were scarcely given a few seconds on America's major news channels. Mr. Katami's wisdom is not wanted in Washington. There's John Stanton again, the Stu Irwin's manager. I mean, Steve Irwin. Crikey. Tears and tributes, man. They're making stuff. See, this is the uh, hysterical story du jour. Sure. We have to have one every day, you know. Stay right now, my now that uh, John Bonet, now that we found out about John Mark Carr is just a uh, another fruitcake, well, we got to find something. So the media is probably ecstatic that this. Uh, st- they probably planted the damn stingray there themselves. Wouldn't you think? Crikey. They probably took the damn video. We got 1,207 votes on the poll. I bet you that's on the front page of the Herald tomorrow, man. Oh! Let me say it again. All you spineless clowns who pretend to be journalists, and I use that term very loosely, at the Sun Sentinel and the Herald and the Palm Beach Post, this radio station over the weekend, they put over one of the worst farces in the history of broadcasting, again, using the word very loosely, and not one of you people, at least I didn't see any of the columns, maybe I missed something, but I don't think so. Nobody had the cojones to say, well, what a disgrace that was, huh? You said farce, right? Farce. I say farts. Farce, not farts. That's that's George Bush, okay? Maybe he knows uh, Rosie. Uh, what's his name? Rosie Ross. Does that sound, sound like his trumpet to me? Let's hear it again. Yeah, that's it. That's Rosie. <laughs> it smells Rosie. You know that bit restroom smells like roses. I think uh-huh. it's called restroom smells like Rosie. Who's a hundred years old? He's still driving. I'll tell you one thing, boy. I wonder. I wonder if he gets a sixty renewal in the mail, like in Florida. When I, when I tell people that, they look at me like, uh-huh. Like that story we had at the beginning of the show about that British guy who was blind, he had no eyes, mm-hmm. and he gets a ticket for, like, uh, driving on the wrong side of the road, plus plus his other infirmities. What does he had No legs, no arms, no eyes, no uh, ass. But other than that, he was uh, doing a hell of a heck of a good driver. Definitely. <laughs> he sure would be good in Sunrise Lakes, baby. Get rid of some of those bastards. 1210 WCAU Philadelphia, man. Do I know my AM radio or What? What? No, seriously, when you lived up north, I've told you this a million times, when you lived up north, those big 50,000 watt, those clear, uh, uh, whatever, what do they call them? Clear channel. That had nothing to do with the company. It had to do with the frequency they were on. Mm-hmm. Uh, the clear channel meant that there was no other station allowed on that frequency. And then there was like between the West Coast and the East Coast, rappers. No, you know what I mean. In other words, they would uh, like distance them, yes. isn't it, miles away. But of course now, forget about that, now AM radio is <laughs> like that. Real garbage. Although it, that, that would sound you just heard, though, it was in HD, though. Yeah. Try to duplicate that across the street, huh? In HD. HD, my ass. Who wow. the hell are they kidding? Wouldn't that be a sight? And I'm hearing so many rumors about those going over there. And, and uh, even the Yidlach, that Joel Feinberg and daddy, who's tired of losing all that money. In fact, the latest rumor I'm hearing is... The biggest names, the best talent. Rock this solid. is Neil Rogers. Sports <laughs> Radio 560. Q-A-M. Wells and smells all the time. You're on the news. They can't get enough of you. Spewing poison Nazi remarks. They point their cameras low when you're on a funded show to see your panties in a wad. Obnoxiously belligerent, sermonizing ignorance, a poster child Republican clown. 
the media gushes over Anne with enormous manly hands and the biggest Adam's apple in town. <laughs> 114 at 560 WQM exclaiming, Thank you, Jesus, landed a man behind bars, and not too soon. Really? A judge in Honolulu held offended Junior Stowers in contempt of court because he made the spontaneous outburst of joy after the jury declared him innocent of abusing his son. Stowers' family and their pastor watched in shock as he was marched off to a cell after Circuit Judge Patrick Border declared, There will be no more of that. Susan Arnett, the deputy public defender who represented Stowers in the contempt case, says his family and pastor were very upset that those words could land someone in jail. I don't think there's anything about saying, thank you, Jesus, that rises to the level of contemptuous behavior in this case. Pretty contemptuous to me, ain't it? Sure. Still, the judge granted Stowers' nonverbal gestures and outbursts to be disruptive and improper, regardless of content. Stowers, 47, spent six hours behind bars before the judge granted him hearing on the contempt charge, a misdemeanor that carries a sentence of, you know how many days in jail? About 30, man. At the hearing, the judge dropped the contempt charge after learning that Stowers' lawyer for the child abuse trial had not told him about the judge's order for both sides to refrain from any shows of emotion when the verdict was read. Stowers was charged with hitting his 15-year-old son with a broomstick. He was acquitted after the board recanted his testimony, probably because Daddy threatened to do it again. Like Daddy probably threatened to take the broomstick and wreck him. Yeah, put it someplace else. You think? It's possible. See, here's well, a, this is in the uh, examiner. Here's a dog in a wheelchair. Whitney's marriage is over. Oh, it's got to be over. She got to dump Bobby Brown so she can Os- and Osama That's control right. the knot. As a matter of fact, terrorist Osama bin Laden was so obsessed with Whitney Houston he thought about having her husband Bobby Brown killed so he could marry her and move into her into one of his mansions. How do you like that? Mm-hmm. In her blockbuster book, Diary of a Lost Girl, poet and writer Cola Booth says the 49-year-old Al-Qaeda mastermind wanted Whitney even though she was an American, a musician, black, and married to a rapper. Bin Laden told me Whitney was the most beautiful woman he's ever seen, pens Booth, 36, who claims he held her as a sex slave in 1996. He said he had a paramount desire for Whitney, and although the claim music... the he claimed music was evil. He spoke of someday spending vast amounts of money to go to America to meet the superstar. All the music, of course, is evil, especially hers. He wanted to give Whitney a mansion that he owned in the suburb of Khartoum, capital of Sudan. Oh, Khartoum. I'm not going to race him, but nevertheless. He explained to me that to possess Whitney, he would be willing. Oh, by the way, Alex Rocco was the name of the guy who was in the George Carlin show. George Carlin was on biography last night. And they showed a couple of clips from his short live, the bad TV show. And there was Alex Rocco on there. I thought, that's Mo Green. Yeah. And you know what I was sure he was Mo Green was when he said, Do you know who I am? I'm Mo Green. I made my bones when you were going out with cheerleaders. He wanted to give Whitney a mansion he owned in the suburb of Khartoum. He explained to me that to possess... Kill that bitch. He explained to me that to possess Whitney, he'd be willing to break his color rule and make her one of his wives. She's nasty. Yeah. Well, I mean, she may have looked good like 20 years ago. Uh-huh. Sudan-born Booth, now a writer for the NBC soap opera Days of Our Lives, says Bin Laden... <laughs> yes, they do. They all sound the same. Says Bin Laden often talks about how... Be... You know, if you're going to play Whitney Houston, now, I'm going to get Susan uh, Cocking on the phone to give you a talking to. You're going to get her doing what on the phone? Talking. Oh, Susan talking on the show. Bin Laden often talked about how beautiful Whitney is, but brainwashed by American culture and by her husband, whom Osama talked about having killed, as if it were normal to have women's husbands killed. Well, it was good enough for uh, uh, Robert Blake, right? 
That's right. In his briefcase, I would come across photos of her as well as copies of Playboy. Soon I was sick of hearing Whitney Houston's name, she said. How do you like that? Copies of Playboy and Osama. See, they're all a bunch of fakers. All these religious goody two-shoes. It's all a big act, baby. It's all phony baloney. Oh, good talker. Excellent. Where is your president? Continue to attack across the world. Yeah, I'm sure you will. There's the game plan. 12:20 on the poll, man. We can, we got a shot at like kill her already. What is with you in this Whitney Houston? <laughs> Go in there and shoot him, Josh. Six sadistic pleasure. Jesus, oh, he's God, it up I can't too. stand her. Whiny, howling, just obnoxious. <laughs> you know, I'm going to tell you one more burst from Whitney, and you're finishing the hour. How do you like that? Oh, what a threat! Trust me. I'm waiting. I'm looking just for an excuse. I'm, I'm hungry. I could have lunch right now. Are you threatening me? Yes. Bob Petrakis and Harvey Wasserman saving, saving the ballot evidence from Ohio 2004. How many articles of these, these guys have I read? About 30, man. Have you read their book, What Happened in Ohio? No. What See, this is one thing the mainstream media. Now, John Kerry finally, uh, you know, he's screaming and yelling about, oh, they're like, too late, John. Especially based on our commie pinko uh, fag audience out there. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't want no part of you. Kerry, you're done. They'd rather have Al Gore. They'd rather have uh, Albert Anastasia. Anybody. Remember Albert Anastasia? No. Remember the song of the mo- movie and the song by Pat Boone, Anastasia, on Dot Records? I bet you uh, Chicken Neck remembers that. By the way, Chicken Neck, if you send me any more discs like the one that, that both the ones you sent last week, uh, bye-bye. Uh, just, just cut them off for a, a few months, you know? Moody River, Pat Boone, on Dot Records. What's Dot? It's a Pat Boone. The week, this, I know you're going to start with him now? You First him. it was Whitney Houston, now it's Pat Boone. Although, if you want, I'll kill some good time. <laughs> this, is that what it's all about? This is impotent stuff, right. man. You're the, one that's, you're the only one who listens to this crap. That's right. I'm locked WQAM, in. WQAM, hello. Yeah, happy good afternoon. Uh, I believe Uncle Neil was searching for a uh, name of a uh, guy in the uh, fishing uh, business. Uh, used to call into Uncle Mikey Ranieri. Yes. And that was... Uh, uh, Al Barrent, who runs the Bahamas Billfish Championship, and uh, Al would call him from the Bahamas. Billfish tournament, I remember that. Report. And I figured I'd just give uh, you all the heads up and hang up and listen to the dribble, okay? Thanks a lot, Pally. <laughs> listen to the dribble? Sure. There was a ba- Is there a basketball game on? Oh, it must be. Yeah, he's dribbling it. Sometimes I dribble. This weekend was to be D-Day in Ohio. It marked the September 2nd deadline after which federal law allows the destruction of ballots from the 2004 election. It didn't happen, at least on a statewide basis. Thanks, God. But the fight to preserve the vital evidence is far from over. Republican election officials here have been, uh, here meaning in Ohio, chomping at the bit to shred, burn, or otherwise destroy the ballots and other related materials from the dubious vote count that gave George W. Bush a second term and, of course, resulted in all these dead people. Yet in several rural southwest Republican-dominated counties, you have to trip over boxes of ballots and election material from earlier elections dating back as far as 1977 in order to see the stickers destroy a 9306 on the 2004 ballot boxes. J. Kenneth Blackwell, the Republican Secretary of State, is running for governor. He's got no chance, by the way. His dual role as administrator of the election and state co-chair of the Bush-Cheney campaign has raised deep-seated embarrassment and ire throughout the Buckeye State. There's a lot of ire. Remember Jane Ire? Sure. The disturbing revelations of irregularities, theft, and fraud continue to pour from the ballots still stored by election boards around the state. Statistician Dr. Richard Hayes Phillips 
has been instrumental in the research process, along with the volunteer crew of election protection activists. This summer, Dr. Ron Bayman of Loyola also analyzed ballots and other election records from the 2004 election in a project funded by the CICJ. Many have spent countless hours pouring through and photographing piles of voter records and thousands of ballots, some of them stacked in filthy, leaky warehouses. What a thankless job that is, photographing piles. Through this work, the evidence that the 2004 election was stolen continues to build. We will cover some of these new revelations in a future piece, say Bob and Harvey. Unfortunately, some vital materials have already been destroyed by various county election boards. Fears have also been expressed that some BOEs might ignore the new orders to preserve the ballots. Some 2004 election workers have already been indicted in Cuyahoga County. A major partisan battle has erupted in the Democratic stronghold of Cleveland over the actions of Executive Director of Board of Elections Michael Vu for Cuyahoga County. Not only a Democrat, Vu only holds his position because of the support of Cuyahoga County BOE Chair Robert Bennett, also the chair of the Ohio Republican Party. Bennett and his fellow Republican on the election board are keeping Vu from being ousted by the Democratic Party who originally appointed him. Ironically, the state of Florida saved its ballots from 2000. A concerted campaign by academics and other interested parties gathered enough political clout to force Governor Jeb Bush and Secretary of State Catherine, I have no chance to beat Bill Nelson Harris, in order that those records be moved to a state repository in Tallahassee where they're now air-conditioned and protected for future generations. How do you like that? Since we're held in Kabul Soccer Stadium. Soccer Stadium. Until this past week, Blackwell has made clear his intent to rid himself of the remnants of 2004. But a week prior, a legal team, including Columbus-based Clifford Arnebeck, filed notice with Blackwell that action would be taken to preserve the evidence. Like it's going to make a difference. You know, like we can turn the clock back and say, oh, guess what? Kerry won. Now all the dead people are going to come back to life, right? These extremists say there can be no compromise. See, here he goes peddling this crap again. But a beep, but a boop, but a bop. Ain't working. And ain't going to work. I mean, I realize there's a lot of stupid people out there, but not that stupid. Nobody is that stupid. 1,235 votes. I think we got a shot at what? Um, maybe, maybe, I don't think 13, huh? Well, I don't know. Why not? 1,300 votes on the day after Labor Day? You've got to be kidding me, man. This must be a bad omen for those guys across the street. And also a bad omen for Clarence, because this proves beyond a shadow of a... 1,235 votes, that, that's more than they had people listening to that tailgate party for the whole 24-hour period. Even Joe Bell admits that. He said it was the dumbest piece of garbage he ever heard in his life. And now he's taken to a new... He, instead of calling him, he calls him uh, um, uh, Darrow now. When I talked to Joe on Friday, he refers to him as Darrow instead of Josh. Hmm. And that is to, you know, to differentiate between the sure. two Joshes. I don't think he was Joshin either. He refers to him as Darrow. Which, to me, that's the first indication, okay, that the fall from grace can't be far off. Because anybody that would program this radio, any radio station, the way that this sports nerd child has done, that person deserves a quick trip to Stark. Stark or, what? Or at least some Stark reality. He, and speaking of broom handles, man, there isn't any of them too big for him. I just mentioned that in case Toast might be listening. That would be a good way to, to do the deed. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think Susan would say about that? Don't forget about our new fishing show on QM coming up this Saturday. And it started this past Saturday, right? Yes. And it's for two hours? That's right. Jesus, God, where's Salty Saul Fleischman when we need him? I guess I must have lived in Sorry Soda when I saw that. Salty Saul. WTVT. Isn't that Channel 13? TVT in Tampa? Come on, you better get with it, you guys. You better start. You're supposed to be a big... Oh, sorry. Didn't you grow up there, Josh? No. Tampa? Brandon? I lived there for two years. Well, so what did you watch? The Brandon television stations? Come on, give me a break, mister... Start talking English. Speak it English. Talk oh, turkey. Yeah. No, seriously, you don't know Channel 13 in Tampa? No, not really. How old were you at that time? My first two years of high school. 
You were in high school and you don't know what the television stations were? What kind of a moron? And you graduated high school? Not from up there. Oh, that must have been in Coral Springs. No. Where, where did you graduate high school? Right up the street here. Hollywood, right up the street? Yeah, Hollywood Christian School. Hollywood like, Christian School? Jesus Christ. You know it. Oh, my God. That explains a lot. 27 past one. We could put a little bit of the speech by your president on there. According to their public... But Joyce probably won't permit it because he might fart in the middle of it. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers. Sports Radio 560. You God, your breasts are beautiful. Well, he's a Tallahassee nasty. Who got the money from his daddy? Ooh. And as I said, my little bratty. Oh, it's an agenda that's crappy. Oh, well, he's a Tallahassee nasty. Double day well, he's a presidential son who doesn't have to run. No one else is going to win. He might as well just move right in. He has a golden spoon. He was born with up his ass. So look out, all you Jews. Woo! Get ready for the gas. He's a Tallahassee nasty. He'll give our civil rights to whammy. Because he's a Tallahassee nasty. Of Absolutely. Well, he's a very wealthy dude with very fast views who never paid his dues. By next year, we'll all be screwed. Any schmuck could win that race against Buddy McKay. Why do you think they call it gubernatorial anyway? He's a Tallahassee nasty. He'll make the KKK happy. Oh, yeah, he's a Tallahassee nasty, love of Come on, let's do step. Come on, Adolf. Let's go for the... Yeah, Bush is right about one thing, man, uh, and that is we got to really be uh, wary of fascism. 1,254 votes, oh, that means we got 46 to go in uh, 27 minutes. That's about like about two a minute, right? We right. can do it. We can get to 1300. If we get to 1300 by 2 o'clock, I might come back Thursday to another show. Oh, jeez. Because then next week, starting 9-11, it's back to this uh, five-day week. I, I, you know, I, don't, I don't see how that's going right. to happen. I, I, don't, I just don't envision it. You know what I mean? I envision it frequently. Do you really? Oh, yeah. I can't, I can't even imagine what that's like. Getting up every day, coming in here, coming, getting all, going all the way to work. Schlepping through traffic. Nearly 70% of recovery workers who responded to the attacks on the World Trade Center have suffered lung problems, and high rates of lung abnormalities continue. A new health study released today shows. Thank you very much for your heroism, and uh, in reward, we're going to give you lung disease. Doctor, which, of course, very little of this is talked about. It's not good. Not good for the uh, pogrom. A fundamental threat to the... Yeah, you are. Uh, doctors at Mount Sinai Medical Center in New York, which conducted the study, said the results proved that working in the toxic gray dust at Ground Zero made many people sick, and some will likely suffer the effects for the rest of their lives. There should no longer be any doubt about the health effects of the World Trade Center. Our patients are sick, said Dr. Robin Herbert, co-director of the group that investigated the long-term effects from exposure to the dust at the site. The study, the largest involving health issues linked to the 9-11 attacks, and is to be published uh, Thursday in the journal Environmental Health Perspective, just days before the fifth anniversary of the tower's collapse, which you can see the whole thing on CNN all over again next Monday, all day. They're going to reshow the whole, oh all their original coverage, just in case you forgot about it. 
It focused mostly on what's been dubbed the World Trade Center cough, which was little understood immediately after the attacks, but has become a chief concern of health experts and advocates. It also found that lung ailments tended to be worst among those who arrived first at the site. Findings highlighted by the study include almost 70% of World Trade Center respondents had no or worse lung symptoms after the attacks. Among responders who had no health symptoms before the attacks, 61% developed lung systems while working on the toxic pile, and a third of those tested had abnormal lung function tests. In lung function tests, responders had abnormal abnormalities at a rate double that expected in the general population. Those abnormalities persisted for months and in some cases years after the exposure, they said. The report comes as public concern over the fate of Ground Zero workers has risen. In a class action lawsuit against the city and its contractors, 8,000 workers and civilians blame 9-11 for sinusitis, cancers, other ailments they developed after the attacks. The, doctor, the doctors were joined by New York politicians who prodded the federal government to extend funding for research and treatment programs. Our government was not telling us the truth, said Senator Swillery Clinton. The air was not safe to breathe. It was obvious that the air was hard to see through, let alone breathe. How do you like that? Mm -hmm. I wonder who is really behind those 9-11 attacks. Who's responsible for that? It's absolutely, it's, it's just People amazing. Evildoers. How the American media, and of course now all this Tim is about, oh, Katie Couric's going to be on NBC, on CBS News. That, that just adds to it, you know? Mm -hmm. Taking some bitch off an entertainment show and putting her on there like we're going to treat her like a serious news person? No chance. 1,269 votes on the poll. And sports talk radio is right in the middle of the pack with tied with terrorism 44 as the biggest problem in the world. And I would say those people who voted for sports talk radio are... Absolutely correct, sir. And you want to know why? Because it ties in with some of the other ones, like religion. Don't you think it's a, re a religion to these people? It absolutely is. Anybody that would put on a 24-hour tailgate party on a major market, big-time supposedly radio station, including a bunch of schleppers on there just uh, fumbling their way through like, like the beast... It's a, it's a U.M. ass grab is what it is. That, that's all it is. It's a cluster uh, schmuck. You know what I'm saying? What do you say? It sucked. And the game sucked. But the Marlins oh. are on fire. Let's jump on the bandwagon. What do you say? I mean, obviously, everybody's off that hurricane bandwagon. They already lost a game. And, of course, Josh, you know if my if U.M. loses a game, it's like, oh, geez. Well, the season's yeah, over, man. Oh, yeah, that's Nothing it. I'm going to look forward to like, like the sky is falling. You know, and they lose two games. Uh, that, that, like, screw them, you know? We never liked them anyway, that kind of stuff. That's the kind of front-running, phony town that is. As opposed to here, where all the teams suck, and everybody says, well, well, we're just used to it. Republicans who were once cozy with President Bush are distancing themselves from both the president and their party in campaign ads. We will not withdraw from the fight. Yeah. Consider Republican Deborah Price, the fourth-ranking House Republican, struggling to hold on to her seat in an evenly split district in central Ohio near Columbus, where the Rimmers live. Call him up and make sure he votes. And Farrell. You know what? I haven't heard. See, I shouldn't. Have. That's such a bad mistake. Haven't heard from him in such a long time now. I'm surprised he hasn't called to tell me about Mike Keenan resigning. What do you think about that, George? Mike Keenan resigning as the GM of oh, the Panthers? Oh, it's terrible. It's tragic or something. In 2004, her campaign website featured a banner of her and Bush sitting together smiling. But in her latest TV ad, Price is described as independent. The spot also highlights how she stood up to her own party and the president to support increased federal funds for embryonic stem cell research. As chairwoman of the House Republican Conference, Price rallies colleagues to the party message. With the election in about two months and Bush's approval rating still low, 33% in the most recent AP Ipsos poll, Republicans involved in tight races avoiding party labels like the plague and playing down their ties to the president. On issues from the Iraq war to Amtrak spending, GOP candidates are trying to argue that they don't follow in lockstep. 
In Pennsylvania, Republican Representative Jim Gerlach tells voters, when I believe President Bush is right, I'm behind him, but when I think he's wrong, I'll let him know that too. Gerlach is in a close contest with Democrat Lois Murphy, who damn near beat him, came real close in 2004 within an eyelash. In Minnesota, where an open Senate seat is at stake, Representative uh, Mark Kennedy is an ad titled Crossing Party Lines, in which he says, I'm a Republican. On issues like taxes and spendings, I vote like it. But on other issues, I cross party lines. In 2002, in his run for the House, a Kennedy ad showed him walking and shaking hands with Bush at the White House. Today, he lists the issues on which he has split from the president. And in South Florida, heavily populated by retirees, Oy. Republican Representative Clay Shaw criticizes the president's stalled plans to change Social Security and says in his ad, I represent the state of Florida, not a political party. You should live so long, Clay. Brother. Ethmer, uh, Congressman Clay Shaw. By the way, how's, uh, what's his name doing? Charlie Christ. Yay. How's he doing what? His boyfriend. 25 votes to go, and we got 20 minutes. It's going to be a real nip and tuck. Nip the and biggest tug. names, the best talent. This is Neil Rogers, Sports Radio 560 QAM. All the crap you can unwrap, all the slime, all the time. It's been worth my intention that uh, your ratings are dying now. Well, I don't assure you what a big ass head I was to you, and how. You thought you could find somebody good enough to fill my baggy pants? It ain't easy. <laughs> there ain't no chance I'll ever be coming back. Outside of considering a lucrative contract. If you want to know what'll save you from shutting that transmitter to ground, why, that's easy. Sure. All you need is We feel bad that Mo don't miss us even a little bit, okay? And the feeling is mutual. We miss him like a gigantic tumor that's been removed from your uh, rectum. Ash. It's not a tumor. 1,293 votes on the poll. We're going to make 1,300 during the show. Oh. Oh, my God. And we got still a quarter of an hour to go. Do you like that? How, can you beat that? With a stick. With a shtick. 1,293 votes. How's Susie doing? I never got your email, by the way. We might as well forget Eric, it. Eric says it's a Hotmail thing. He saw that it was sent from his server, so it went from here, it went from there, and... Uh, and it's being, maybe it's because it's got that name. It's got what name? Do you have like a porno filter or something set up? No. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> it's possible it's in your uh, spam Well, filter. don't put a name on there like that. Send it's it the name like of a... the picture. What is it? I thought it was, I thought it's it was. It's her name. I... Oh, I see. Well, can't you change your name on there? I could. Like Susan Block. <laughs> huh? Susan Walking. 
Susan walking, uh, dead man talking, uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Idiot squawking. Oh. Yeah, see, there he's getting a big hand. Can't tell you where it is, though. Rectum. 1293, I bet if I click that baby, I bet it's going to like. Uh, it's not really that. Uh, for the audience, that may, oh, 1297, they may be wondering what the picture is he's trying to send me. It's a picture of somebody, uh, the, the lady from our fishing show, who now goes by the nom de plume of Susan. Well, first of all, if that's not her real name, what kind of a person makes up a name like that? That's her real name. She was using a fake name when she was on IMDb. Well, go back to the fake name, okay, honey? No, I like the real name better. Yeah, I bet you do. Remember that song? I bet you. I bet you've got it. The Buckingham Susan. Remember that on Columbia Records? Sure. Maybe I got it. Well, won't that be something if we get this? Forget about Whitney Houston, man. Forget about Pat Boone. There it is, Buckingham. Yeah. Don't you care? And then this was a medley of the other smash. Hated this song. Why is that? Just do. Don't you care? Now this was a, this was a big smash. This was giant. They had more hits than this. Yeah. For I example. Yeah, kind of a. Oh, I know. Uh -huh. Here we go. Now you're going to give me Play that. Kind of a fat. It's something they can seem to hide. You fairy. Yeah. Tom Cruise theme song. Anyway, that's uh, enough of that nonsense. So, Susan, so we don't know who she was still? I still don't. I guess See, she looks vaguely familiar. You're not giving me a very clear, clear message here from Suds. She is somebody that used to work with us at IOD under a in the an news assumed department. name. Under an assumed name, well, right. How many people did we know there? Arlene Wolf. Oh, there were lots. Jennifer Rem. Uh -huh. Jackie Bales. Sure. Jackie, uh, whatever the other one was. Right. Right. The other Jackie. Right. How many other females did we have in the news department? I'm probably leaving somebody else. Oh, there. Terry Griffin. My sure. God. How can you leave out Terry Griffin? That's right. Now, don't tell me that Terry Wait Griffin is Susan Cocking. No, no. Brooke Alden. No. Who? I see, I'm, I'm, you know, there's people you don't. And then uh, the engine chick, I can't remember her name, but she never wore a bra. Wow. I remember that. If you that. blow too much, you're in trouble. That's uh, Terry. Love you, Terry, wherever you are. And Jennifer. Did I say Jennifer Ram? I guess I did. Love her, too. Let's see. If, oh, I like this article. I, I, do I have time? No. Which one do I want to do? I've only got time for one or two here. All right. I'm changing the name of the picture to Susan C. I don't care what you change it to. And, and I'm like, I'm going to remember who this is? How no. come you don't remember? you got the picture there. How come I, you can't recall who it was? She looks familiar, but, you know, lots of people do. Get out of here. Yeah, that's true. Joyce Marcel. Remember the Marcells in Blue Moon? Yes. I'm coming. <laughs> oh. I got news for you. If they can put on a 24-hour tailgate party, I think I'm playing music all next week. There you go. Blue Moon, Marcel. Joyce Marcel says, as the world passes us by, she says, sometimes I feel like life is passing me by. Watching the wealth of our nation as well as the blood and body parts of our soldiers pour down a rat hole in Iraq is not the only thing that grieves me. It's that we hardly notice as the world passes us by. We are led by reactionaries who see the world as it was in 1949 when America was the last standing nation. Or maybe as it was a century before that, during the time of the robber barons. Who knows what they really see? Meanwhile, the euro has surpassed the dollar in value. It's been this way almost from the day it was founded. China, which holds the paper on America, is now the world's fastest-growing economy. India is number two. More abundant America, however, slides deeper and deeper into debt. We have no jobs. We make no things. We make no capital investments in our future. Our housing bubble, which has sustained the economy for years, is bursting as I write. The only analogy, and I'm not the first person to make it, is that we are behaving like drug addicts and our drug is oil. 
We live in constant denial. We've cashed in all our assets, borrowed from everyone who will let us, robbed our parents' wallets, and now we're breaking and entering to get our daily fix. While we head for the gutter, the future has galloped past. Last week I saw this new reality at Saratoga Racecourse. When it comes to my love of horse racing, I may be an anachronism. Americans, as a rule, are not interested in the sport. Most daily newspapers no longer have full-time turf riders. Not even the Boston Globe and the New York Times print daily racing charts. Legendary racetracks are being turned into housing developments. Even Saratoga Aqueduct and Belmont are up for grabs today because the New York Racing Association is on the verge of bankruptcy. It's not that Americans don't like to gamble. We, like to, uh, we seem to like gambling more than anything else except eating in cars. We even use lotteries to fund our schools. But it's football and poker on television and the Internet and the Indian casinos that are the draw. America has had a sterling history with thoroughbred horses and world-class races. The Kentucky Derby, the Preakness, and Belmont make up the Triple Crown. America took notice when magnificent Barbaro broke his leg in the Preakness this year. The 137th running of the Travers will be held at Saratoga, or was held last Saturday, and the prestigious Breeders' Cup will be held at Churchill Downs November 4. We still have magnificent horses here, but at the Saratoga meet, the Maktoun family, owners of discreet Cat, Ashkel Way, incriminate, incriminate Henny Hughes and the amazing Bernardini, walked away with nearly all the stakes races. Another of their horses, Jazil, won the Belmont Stakes. When Bernardini won the Preakness, he gave the Maktouns two-thirds of the triple crown, and Bernardini tops the family's Breeders' Cup team. Their horses have already won most of the major races in France, England, and Ireland. You might not have heard of the Maktouns. The head of the family is Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid al Maktoum, 57, sometimes called Sheikh Mo, Sheikh Mo, do, 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 do. who rules Dubai and is the vice president of the United Arab Emirates. This year, Dubai briefly entered America's consciousness when one of its government-owned companies tried to take over port operations in several major U.S. cities. America woke up for a moment at the thought of Arabs running its ports. The Dubai ports world ta tactfully withdrew its bid, and America rolled over and slipped back into its drugged-up sleep. In Dubai, however, population 240,000, nobody is sleeping. Sheikh Mo, a poet, statesman, and passionate horseman, is presiding over a construction boom that will turn his country into the New York of the Middle East. Time magazine, which this year included the Sheikh and list of the 100 people shaping our world, calls it urban planning on a cosmic scale, a blossoming financial center, regional headquarters for global brands, mega shopping malls, amusement parks, a world-class airline, an airport to go with it, luxurious hotels that play host to 7 million tourists a year, and the world's largest man-made islands. Add to that a world-class racetrack and the recent groundbreaking for the world's tallest skyscraper. The Maktouns have stables in England, America, and Dubai, and set a record this year by spending $16 million at auction to buy a single untried two-year-old colt. Instead of trying to return to the lost glory days of the Ottoman Empire, the Maktouns are creating Dubai, Inc., and racing full tilt into the future. China, India, Singapore, many other countries are doing the same. What is America doing? Squandering its money, its history, its democracy, and its blood in the Middle East. <clears throat> While people in other countries learn to speak two or three languages, America still has vigilantes on its borders trying to keep out anyone who doesn't speak English. <coughs> I'm getting choked up about it. Instead of welcoming the immigrants who are already here, it tries to demonize them. Artists, students, and intellectuals find it difficult to get visas. <coughs> Time for a drink. <coughs> they go to other more welcoming countries instead. Many of us have been living with pain during the past few years. We love this country, both the greatness and the promise of it. We love the way every new wave of immigrants has come here to make a better life and has made everyone else's life better as a result. But it seems that now openness and opportunity are gone. America is becoming a moral, cultural, religious, and intellectual backwater, a banana republic without a hope or a prayer of catching up to the fascinating new world which is flourishing without us. How do you like that? Doobie, doobie, doobie. All right. Sheik, Sheik Mo. Never heard of him no more. Joyce Marcel, freelance writer and columnist in Vermont. And in the meantime, they're helping governments reclaim full sovereign control over the. <laughs> 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 
Now, you think it's just a coincidence that every time I put the audio on when he's speaking, he's fumfing and fumbling about, or is that just a uh, Yeah, it's course? a coincidence. Oh. In other words, I could put it on like, any time during his speech, and he'd be doing the like, same thing. It's that, a coincidence is that what you're trying you, to say? Uh, when you put it on the weather channel, uh, about the weather, yeah. Why do you hate America so much? I'm going to put you back on that rubber raft and send you back to Fidel, the nurse, and back to health. Right. He's looking uh, like he's ill, by the way. Of course, if you lost 41 pounds, <laughs> I'd be half my weight. 1,309 votes. Oh! Oh! Alien, by the way, says he's doing just well. And he's not coming back to visit uh, Maris Grisias or the rest of the drunken family. How do you like that? <laughs> Had some real issues, that Miami family. Huh? Mm -hmm. 156 at QM. Now, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, the NFL season, I heard that promo we had or whatever that spot was before. What was it? Well, whatever it was. Starts Thursday night. Now, who is it that's playing again? Miami and Pittsburgh. Oh, the Dolphins. That's the right. Dolphins and the Steelers without uh, Ben Roethlisberger. Game one. Kicks well, I'm thinking season. to myself, since the opening game of the Dolphins season is Thursday, how about a 48-hour uh, uh, marathon tailgate party? 48-hour real pregame show? Right. Starting, I would say, maybe like tomorrow at 10. The biggest names, the best talent. This is Real Rogers. Sports Radio 560 QAM. All right. Bye.